Oh, wow. Amen. Everybody good? Everybody awake? Bless you guys. Good morning. Are you here just for today yet? Are you here just for today yet? Are you? Why are you staying? Wow, okay. Bless you. Well, welcome. It's just so good to have you guys. Hey, I have a thing I'm going to ask right away rather than, I could wait. I don't know. You got the camera running, don't you? I've got this guy who, who uh, I don't know if somebody could help me with this. Who knows I'm not a caveman and I'm not a computer guy. <laughs> There's, I am a caveman. I don't even know when I'd turn on a computer. I honestly don't know when I'd sit at a screen of a computer. I'm either on the phone or doing something. But uh, this fella called me. It was sweet. And he's 97. You would never know it on the phone. He's sharp and crystal clear. Somebody in South Dakota handed him a Becoming Love CD. Who's familiar with that title on the website? Neck Ministries website. He's wondering. He called me. He thought we like sell CDs and have a big resource table. And I'm like, we don't sell nothing. We just give them away over the internet, man. You can just get on there and copy as many as you want. Because he said, I need 10 of them sent to my house. And I said, man, I don't think I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. Would you do this? What, what, what I was wondering, somebody would just copy some form and mail them to him and just do that as a blessing to this fellow. Here's what he said. He's 97. He said, I have friends. There are truths on that CD. And I have friends. I need to get that in their hands because it will change their whole perspective. And he's 97 and he's thinking that way for his friends. It melted my heart. And I was, he'll take that, will you? And, uh, and, then, and then he did say this, and there's no, this is all he wanted. He wanted 10 of those becoming love. But you're familiar with that one? And then he said, and if, I mean, if you have any other uh, classics or <laughs> really special ones, he said, whatever. But that's really what he asked for, 10 of those. Will you? There's his address, his name. Can you read all that? Did I write clear? Maver. Maver. Maurer. Yeah, and he's on my phone machine, and I don't know where he got the CD, but it was one of the old ones John gave out, because I said, well, how'd you get my number? He said, it's right on the CD. <laughs> I said, I love you, Dr. John. I love you, Dr. John. Dr. John, I love you. If I say it enough, I love you. <laughs> he, he handed out thousands of CDs with my phone number on. <laughs> I love you, Dr. John. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was a little emotional. He said, call my house, and I gave my... Somebody just called me listening to that CD. People will take you up on it. They really will. If you don't believe me, call my house. You know, I've gotten about six calls from that one, and I'm thinking, guys, that was years ago. You know? So... So thank you. You're going to do that for Frank? That's really a blessing. Thank you. I just thought maybe somebody would be in the position to be able to help me with that. I said I, we could get it done either way. But I said, you know what I might do? I might just make it open to the school and see if somebody could take it on as a little project to love Frank. But it fascinates me that somebody handed that to him in South Dakota. And then he listens to it at age 97 and goes, <gasps> and wants like 10 of them because he's thinking of people. Is that cool or what? To me, that's just the heart of love. And he's out in South Dakota, and it's just fun. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to wrap this thing up about making contact with people in public. I want to go over some practical stuff that I usually don't 
seem to get a chance to cover. I really want to try to cover that today. So if you have questions on this topic that we're talking about today, today's a good day to ask questions. Uh, I don't see Matt. Is Matt here? Am I not seeing him? No. Uh, the other. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, I don't see him. But, but that's okay. He had a question. He had a question the other week that so pertained to what I was going to talk about. And I can't totally, I just knew that I thought I was going to get there sooner. And I said, oh my goodness, just hold that question. But uh, it kind of came up in the course of preaching. But if you have questions today as we're talking, because I really want us released in a more just an everyday way of just touching and loving people and believing to release the kingdom and encouraging people like out in public, just wherever you are. Honestly, it'll encourage your life. It'll, it'll get you outside yourself more. It, it, it'll, it'll break off the fear of man, what people think. There's a lot of good things about stepping out beyond yourself and touching people, especially, uh, man, you get out there and you have an encounter with somebody and you see their heart really blessed, you'll wonder why you would ever hold back or wait, you know what I mean? And uh, I've been treated rough out in public already and it just doesn't matter. You're, tr- you're, you're out there, you're not trying to do something for yourself or draw attention to yourself, you're loving them. So it doesn't matter if they treat you rough. Man, I had four people in a row one time. I just was pursuing some folks. I thought, I'm gonna love on some people. I had four people in a row. I talked to a Muslim a homosexual fella who made it clear because uh, I wasn't judging him. I wanted you to know that. He just made it clear. Uh, and and uh, 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 Native American Indian didn't realize it when I approached him. Oh my goodness, was he so hurt and angry because of heritage, because of white man in the country. And I understand it. It's actually, what do you do? It's a sad thing. And but he just left me have it. I mean, and, and then uh, another Muslim fella, they all accosted me like, really yelled at me and accused me of soliciting my religion and all kinds of stuff. And if you take that to heart and you don't understand what's really going on there and you start questioning your own heart, man, you'll back off and close the door. You know what I mean? You'll just shut yourself in. And I walked a couple blocks with a Muslim man and talked to him and reasoned with him. And I had him about this close to letting me pray. And he was just about ready. And then he shut down right when I was ready to pray. I was like, oh. So I thought, well, I'll just pray for him. And that's one thing I want to tell you. When people say no and absolutely say no and walk away and they have an obvious thing you were trying to address, pray about it anyway. Because the most awesome thing is that thing goes away, changes, or they get healed. They just blew you off, Mandy, and they're just like, get away from me. And yeah, but you're, you're hip. It, well, what do you care? I have, I'm busy. I don't need your religion. Whatever. Just say they're mad. And then you sitting in your car we're walking down the street, you just begin to pray for the hip and ask God to have mercy and, and their hips healed. Yeah. That would probably get some attention. Yeah. That would probably change some things. So I, I really believe Holy Spirit showed me to do that. Uh, so I'm starting to do that a lot. Uh, I kind of did it anyway, but it might have been, and I'm just being real, it might have just been the Christian thing to do. Just kind of prayed for him, but now I'm really, who knows, you can just kind of pray because you can pray or you can really get involved in your heart. There's, there's some different things. You can do things rhetorically. You can do things because it's what we do as Christians. Or you can do things really from your heart. So if you really shut down and take time and think about that person and you're like, Lord, you love them so much. 
life has touched them in such a way they can't even hear my motive or see why I pursued them. It's just like when you came on the earth, Lord, but it didn't change love and it didn't change your power. God, thank you. And just get yourself in a place of faith where your concept and your mindset is releasing faith. You see what I mean? And you say, so Father, thank you for touching them right now. As mad as they seemed, as distant as they seemed, you know all things and your love never fails. God, your mercy can reach right through all that stuff and grab their heart. Father, thank you for them being healed today. And you just begin to speak to that situation. It's, it's like it's actually a form of intercession. Does that make sense? Who, who has the mic today? Do we even have it out yet? Oh, thanks. You're always on it, man. Thanks. Yeah, big smile. <laughs> okay, now this, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you're bringing it up, um, this is where, when it comes to me, because I do love the Lord so much, and me, in my working environment, in the, in the last week, I've had so many people just testifying. Like, last night, I had two people testify, like, about their lives, and I was like, what even made them sit down with me and say that? I mean, really, I'll have to talk to you later. But anyway, there's this gentleman that comes in, and he is very heavy, has a very um, problem with eating. He's very addicted to eating. Mm -hmm. So the other day he came in, he had one of those things in his nose. Yeah. Like oxygen tank. Yeah, yeah. And he was limping, and, you know, and, hey, ponytail, what's up? And I'm like, not much, because he likes my hair thing. So anyway, so he came in the other day, and he didn't have his tank with him, and he was still down. I said, what's up? And he goes, I don't have patience. I said, why? He said, well, I want to go do things on my own, and he fell, and he really gashed his knee, right? So he goes, I got to go to the doctor, and I got to do this, da-da-da, you know, I got to get these antibiotics, and his wife's like, he's just not doing good. He just won't listen to anybody. So I can never really get his attention about the Lord, because he knows how I am. So I was just counting on with them, and I said, oh, in the name of Jesus, your healing will come fast. Everything's going to be fine with you in the name of Jesus. And he started laughing, and I walked away, and I said, oh, Lord, please give this man some strength, you know. Well, you know what? He came back in the next day, and I looked at him, and I said, my Lord, look at your face. You got color. He goes, don't I, though? Now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, was it me that might have and his appointment went good. He came in yesterday. He was trotting in the restaurant. Hey, ponytail. I'm like, oh my God, look at you. What are you doing? I said, do you feel good? He goes, oh yeah. And he walks up to this table. He goes, this is my girl. This is ponytail. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, his knee, he never even mentioned his knee, but right. to bounce, I mean, his wife said he really fell hard. Wow. But see, was was it me that encouraged him to feel good about himself? Or was it the Lord that might have done a little bit of movement in his heart? You know what I mean? That, I mean, to see him like he was was just crazy. Here's what I believe happens. Your heart is to pray. You're not sure how to come across. You're on the job. You're not sure right. how to present this. But your heart, see, it's love. It's not even our prayers. It's what we believe. You believe God heals. You believe there's help in the right. Lord. You know, I believe it's such a sign of mercy in the Lord saying, hey, I'm with your heart. I'm with you for people. It's my heart in you for people. Uh, I would encourage us to all just be more forthright. When somebody's like that in the breathing, just come right out of the gate. Man, listen, you already have a little bit of a relationship. You're talking, yeah. listen, and he already knows you're in the Lord, so it wouldn't be an out of order. Listen, I'm serious about this. Look at me. I want to pray for you. 
bam, just point blank. I want to pray for you. I don't think he's going to go, oh, no. And even if he jokes, I actually say, listen, I know you're joking, but I'm serious, really. I care for you. Joking, or were you really wanting God to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And isn't it amazing? There's grace that goes towards his situation. It's certainly not just positive thinking. People say, like, it's suggestion. Well, if it's suggestion, then let's just tell people they don't really have cancer, and you really aren't in pain, and why don't you just get up and walk today? It's, It's not just the power of suggestion. People say, well, people are... Uh, in a mood to get healed. They position themselves. They're expecting so psychologically they feel healed. And I'm thinking, come on, if it was that simple, all these people, we'd just talk them out of it. That's right. You know, I just don't buy that. But, but uh, that I believe God absolutely moved. And I believe he honored your heart and your expression. And that ought to encourage you to just be a little more forthright. I... I well, I wouldn't encourage you because of that. I wouldn't encourage you to stay. And I don't understand. If you're on a job, guys, and you're on the clock and they're paying you, you, you can't just stop and not be working and minister to people all the time. You have to be faithful to your job. You know, you can't be on the clock and just running around praying for everybody you see. Like when I worked on, on the clock, I did it on my breaks or I did it really fast and made sure I always had my work way up to par. Like my company could never look at me and say I wasn't, well, we were on a computer standard, so you had to be, you had to work a certain amount because they monitored that. If you didn't, you were reprimanded. But I was always well above the standard and that was good in the sight of my company. So when my company looked at my numbers, they knew Dan Moeller was doing his job. But in the midst of doing my job, I'm loving, encouraging, and praying for people. You see what I mean? But, but so one thing with you, I don't know what liberty you have there. People know you. They know who you are. They know. But if, if you know, your employers, they don't mind you in the middle of waitressing, taking a hand, encouraging somebody, and praying. I think it would be great if I was the owner of a restaurant. I'd say, go love on people. It, because people draw to love. People come all the more, just there being love, not, not saying you should use that as a way to get more business, but what I'm saying is if, if owners would have a right understanding revelation, it's certainly an attractive place for people. So I would say just be more direct. The next time you have a friend like that come in or somebody you've made a, even if you didn't, just, hey, listen, right now, bam. Here's another thing. The more you build experience and, and, and testimony in these things and you get experiences like that, the next time you see somebody with a tank, what's an, an air tank, what's the first thing going to rise in your heart? How God touched this man. And you're building resume in your own heart. You're, you're actually building, like, the, I've prayed for so many people over the years that when I'm out in public and bump into a situation, I can almost directly connect them with a bunch of other situations in my heart. And you see what I'm saying? And, and you could say, listen, uh, I did that with my little granddaughter. We walked up to somebody they were on, and I said, hey, we're going to go pray. And she said, okay. So we walked over, and I said, you got COPD? They said, I do. And I even have, they said, some emphysema with it. I said, whoa. And I said, listen. And I shared two or three little testimonies, told them how wonderful Jesus was, and we just prayed. And they were loading into a car and had to go. But we got our hands on them. And we got to touch him and believe God for change. Amen? So it's just neat because the more you see that stuff, the more you're encouraged to what? Step right into it. Amen? Go ahead. Um, Dan, um, talking about touching and, and praying for people, and when, in the Bible where it said that the woman pushed through the crowd, touched, just touched his hem, and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Look at all these people. And he realized that power had left him and when we're talking about laying hands on power um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump th- through some stuff here 
you know, with 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 things along the line of Reiki and this and that and power or, or hands-on healings, different things. When I say hands-on healings, I had I had someone who said she was praying and this and that, and she put hands over me and the energy transferred. Now, when I say that, an energy transference. When Jesus said, "Power left me," I know I don't want to get all technical, and I don't want to. I certainly can't figure this out as a spiritual thing, but in my mind. The Holy Spirit in me empowers and is his power working through me when I touch someone that there is something to this energy something that's coming out of the body and, and goes through us. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, maybe Reiki isn't using the right power. Different yeah, there's, there's, yeah, line. we can talk about that a little if you want to. One thing I don't want you to do is ever be afraid of what's out there. Honestly, I know people don't all, all agree, but what I find is the reason they don't agree is because they don't have the same belief system because they don't have that same experience then. And if you fear, that's a wide open door. So if you, if you on, honestly understand that you're out there in love, you're out there in faith, you are not vulnerable, you're called to subdue the earth. You're not vulnerable to the earth you live in. You're supposed to actually... I know this will sound weird, but bear with me. Lord over it in the sense of in Christ. I'm not, it's, I'm not on a, some weird trip when I say that. I know that phrase could stumble somebody maybe. Jesus said we're to subdue the works of his hands. We're to govern the earth. We're to subdue the earth. We're not to live in fear. Now I know people have had certain experiences with people touching them and things coming on them, cursing them, different things. And, and I've found that those people have a grid for that. They believe that's possible. When it happens, then they really believe it's possible. I honestly don't believe it has to be possible. In other words, I don't mind who touches everybody throng Jesus. So the power in him is greater. The Bible says, he that is in me is greater than he that's... So there's a faith thing there. So I want you all to be very affirmed in that and settle in your heart that you're not vulnerable and subject to other energies and powers out there. There's demonic movements. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff out there. There's what they call negative energies, of course. Uh, but it has nothing to do with the lordship of Jesus or honoring God. It, it, it gets really weird. It gets weird and sticky where it gives man power. Man's on a power trip. He's seeking power. But it's apart from Christ. So are these things obliged to move and do things? Yeah, here's a good example. So if there's a spirit of infirmity that's causing affliction, who knows there's spirits of infirmity? Yes. So the spirit of infirmity is causing affliction in a person and, and there's somebody moving in this thing and, and this spirit of infirmity moves off and out of the way and somebody goes, wow, I'm healed. And it just sucks them right into this vein. Because it's like, wow, you killed me, dude. And it's just spirits of infirmity moving, coming, leaving. It's, you see how simple it works? And it's not in agreement with Jesus. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just man seeking power apart from him. So some of this stuff, you'd be amazed how uh, there, there's infirmities and stuff out there. Uh, as far as a Reiki person, like I had a lady call me once. She said, I haven't been feeling well. Things are going weird and I'm getting my hair done at a new place and there's a lot of, you know, different ladies touching me, doing my nails, doing my, and I'm thinking they might be into weird stuff. I said, what's that have to do with you? And she's feeling vulnerable. She's thinking they're touching me and they're releasing stuff on me. 
Well, we're blessed. I got into this in one of the classes a couple weeks ago, and I shared a testimony of the lady that came and prayed for me with intent in her heart, and the power of God shot through my arm, shot into her, knocked her to the floor. It was freaky, man. She screamed, and I didn't know what was going on. But I found that she was trying to control me with her prayers and access my heart and get me to agree with what they were trying to bring into the church. Now, I was totally innocent. I had ignorant. I had no idea of this. I found it out later. But when she came over and she waited till we were in intercession, intercession in prayer, and I was the leader, I was the authority, so she slid her way over, grabbed my wrist, started praying in tongues. And, and, and it was a form of tongues, it was, but it was controlling. It was weird. It wasn't Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God, you could feel it, went zzz, blasted her and I was like because I'm not thinking nothing I'm just praying and I'm thinking she's just passionate I'm clueless but I don't have a belief that she can contaminate me I don't have a belief that she's going to put me under some sticky bubble (laughs) you understand what I'm saying I really don't have that grid. Now, I know there's people, I've talked to people, leaders, that don't agree with me. And the fact that they don't agree on this one concerns me because then they're vulnerable. So then how do you just go touch people and lay hands on the sick because you're afraid of what's in them getting on you? And They thronged Jesus. There were so many people touching him that when his disciples, when he said, who touched me, they were like, uh, Master, we're pretty on page with you all the time and impressed, but sounds pretty like, who touched you? They're all touching you. You know, they were kind of like, what kind of question is that, Lord? Who's touching you? That must have been pandemonium. Okay? It must have been people really pushing, right? And they're all touching him. And he said, who touched me? And you heard all the teachings on that. So, you know, there's, authority, or there's anointing that flows. Who's ever prayed for somebody and you literally felt a release of the Spirit of God tangibly, like either water, current, radiation, yeah, fire. We got fire people in the fire. I feel fire. <laughs> but, but, but I, I know, you know, you can actually, you can actually have your hand several inches away and pray like that. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you. You can just feel the, 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 the Spirit of God. It's like current. It's all in the name of Jesus, etc. But it, people get caught up in that. That's why we teach don't go after that. The people that get caught up in that, see, you, get, you can get really subject to where all energy is God. And it's, it's not coming in the name of the Lord. So people get so intrigued by, wow, I feel that, dude. There's people, that, there's people in circles that have nothing to do with Jesus. And they're practicing on each other and they're teaching each other and they're playing with currents and feelings and energies. And, and that's where New Age is mixed in with a lot of, of that where it's all God, all energy's God. So, but I don't want you guys being afraid out there to touch people, to lay hands on people. No, if the Spirit of God's in you, you want to hold their hand. And you don't, it doesn't matter if they're in witchcraft, guys. It does not matter. And uh, it just does not matter. Do you understand? And unless you're afraid. If you're afraid and you're trying to build up the courage to take their hand, I'd say I'd probably wait till you're just totally not afraid. Because it's not a place to try to find faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Vulnerability is what opens the door when you feel fear. 
But yeah, there is a contact and transmission. It's why we lay hands on the sick. Who's in us? The Spirit of God's in us. So we lay our hands on the sick and they, what? Recover. Why is that cool? Because God's trying to show us He made us to live inside of us and flow through us. It's just so personal. Do you get it? It's not a weird thing. It's, it's a cool thing. Did you have a comment, question? Oh, okay. No, that's fine. Well, you don't have the mic now. <laughs> so, but that's all right if I answered it. Or did you? I didn't know you didn't have the mic. I thought you were holding it on your lap. No, she's good. Okay. Said I answered it. So here's the deal. We're approaching people. Remember we established in the last couple sessions that if they're sick, you have a green light if you want to, to approach somebody. You honestly don't need the direct leading of Holy Spirit. Who knows that sometimes God will highlight somebody in a crowd. That's always cool. If they're highlighted in a crowd, man, go towards them and walk through. But you really don't need that. You have that already, the leading of the Spirit through the Word of God. He says go as you go. He already gave us in His Word to pray for the sick. In all the commissions, we have a release to go and minister to people. So God and his word are one, and the word is spirit and life. So if Jesus said it, Father's saying it. He has spoken through his son. So you already have the go, ye therefore. True? So we don't need a specific leading for each individual. A lot of Christians have talked themselves out of loving people because they said they didn't feel led. And a lot of times it's your inhibitions, your uncertainties, insecurities, little self-consciousness, stuff rising up, and then you don't feel kind, and you're saying you're not feeling led, and you're probably just talking yourself out of it, (laughs) just being real, because Jesus loves people, and and you have the right to approach people, love people. That not feeling led has stopped a lot of moves of God. (laughs) Sounds spiritual, it sounds right. Well, I'm not feeling led, brother. I'm not going to pray for all these sick people. I don't feel led. <laughs> Jesus is probably pretty led. <laughs> you see, so we tell people to put a little fishing sinker in your pocket that's made of lead. And every time you feel that way, just rub your hands on that. And once you feel led, just go pray for them. That's, I used to do that as a pastor. I had a big chunk of lead in my desk because I don't feel led. Well, I don't feel led to forgive my wife. Well, I don't feel led to communicate with my husband. Well, I don't feel led to, they would say, you say, I don't feel led. They'd spiritualize. So I'd say, listen, we got a fix for that. I'd pull out my drawer and I'd say, here, open up your hand. I'd throw that big chunk of lead. I'd say, now that you felt led, let's just get on with God. <laughs> and then I'd minister to them <laughs> because they're copping out with a spiritual phrase that has nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> so I'd say, now that you feel led, let's get on with truth. So uh, just, just know that when you're out there, you have a green light. There's, there's two, maybe three occasions in my life. Two of them I can't even explain and still don't know why. But there's th- three times in my life where Holy Spirit, Spirit told me, no, not now. That I knew it was God saying, no, not now. I don't want you to go there. Don't walk up. Don't do that. But it was like three. So I'm telling you, it's rare. Okay. So if you're like six months down the road and you've not really talked to anybody and you're waiting to feel led and every time you don't feel led, it's probably you talking yourself out of love at somebody with the Holy Ghost. Are you following me? Okay. So, uh, or if you're holding on to one 
testimony of touching somebody four months ago and since then you've been waiting for God to direct you to another person, you're probably walking by a lot of people that you could love on. That's all I'm saying. And it's not a condemning thing. You can hear me as a mandate like, oh my God, I'm afraid now to go to the store because I'm going to see somebody I have to pray for. (laughs) We'll see if that's your thinking. Then that already shows there's something he wants you to grow beyond. You see what I'm saying? Because then you're just in avoidance and you're just saying, man, I don't want to, you know, do this. Well, it's not a have-to thing. It's not a uh, ought-to thing. It's a love thing. So if you're feeling that way, Lord, why am I feeling so pulled back from people? Lord, why do I feel so confronted by this? God, keep doing a work in my heart where I see freely the privilege of loving the people in front of me. Because listen, the way it can change a person's life, you take one person's hand, you just pray for one person. You know, you don't even have to touch people. I could tell you testimonies where people were a little funny. I say, listen, I don't even have to touch you. I just want to pray for you, man. You really want to pray for me? You have no idea. Jesus is real. Man, I used to go to church and think that's what made me a Christian. And then Jesus became real and I realized it's loving people. It's doing just what he did when he walked the streets. You're going to love this. I'm going to pray right now. And I'll just pray. And they're four or three feet away and you're giving them their space. And all of a sudden you say, check it now. And they're like, dude, you got to be kidding me. And we've seen that over and over and over. And, And you're this far away giving them their space. Sometimes I'll tell people, look, I can tell there's so many people around. It makes you feel funny. I don't want you to feel funny. I want you blessed. Just keep talking to me like we're talking. I'm going to pray for you, okay? And just look, man, keep your eyes open. Jesus is amazing, man. We don't have to bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you right now for this person. And it's in a busy place, and they're thinking, oh, my God, this guy is off his rocker. <laughs> you know, I've been looked at, at that way a lot. I've seen Todd look at that way a lot. And, and, and they're like, until they check their body. Or, or, you know, and, and usually in the cases, it's funny in those, you know, because I don't see everybody just shout for joy and say the pain's totally gone. But, but we see it a lot. And, uh, and those situations where people think you're crazy, they're like, God's just, they're standing there thinking you're nuts. And all of a sudden they're going, am I losing my mind? You know what I mean? It's just funny how it works like that. But because you're out there, you're in faith, you're not caring what they're thinking. You can see it in their eyes. They're looking, thinking, are you, are you, are you all right? <laughs> I had a lady in Walmart do that to me with a big knee brace, and she looked at me with those eyes like, friend, you just ain't all together with it today. <laughs> and I'm there praying for her. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray for you. She said, What? See, I said, I'm going to pray for you. I said, I'm really expecting you need to change. It's going to be cool. Okay, will you let me? And, and I said, I just don't want to put you on the spot because I see your manager and you're on the clock. So we're just going to talk and I'm going to pray for you while we're talking. And she's like, she's looking at me like, you aren't right. Until <laughs> she took three steps. And then she went, what? She was. She was like, what? She just couldn't believe it. So then, you know what I did with her? I walked down the aisle because she was heading down this couple aisles down. I walked with her and explained the gospel because she had a lot of questions, but she's on the clock. And then we stood in the aisle and talked a little. I hugged her and I left. Mm-hmm. On the way in, on the way in, there's a lady who was selling, selling, I forget what she was selling. It was uh, chances for something. And uh, a drawing or something. And I walked by, got talking to her, and... I perceived something about her. And I made a little comment about the Lord. Boy, she got really mad at me. And she told me that, she said, uh, told me about one of these soliciting Christians. 
Well, I don't believe your way. That's what she said. Well, I don't believe your way. I said, I didn't even share my way. It's not really my way, but I didn't really share my way. And she said, hi, Miss Sharon. Good to see you back there. I just seen you back there. Uh, she said, well, you, you people are always saying if we don't believe what you believe, then we're just in hell. And, and da da da. And I went, whoa, is that what you're tagging me to? I said, I don't even think that way about people. I love people. Jesus is amazing. He died for all men. Yeah, but you're thinking Jesus is the only way. I said, well, honey, he's the way of the Father. I said, he's the way to forgiveness. I said, I'm sorry, however, the gospel's been preached to you, but Jesus is good news. He's amazing. And she's like, well, but just because we don't believe the way you Christians believe. And she was just fighting me, like, and I'm thinking, God, I don't want to fight her. And, and I, I said, well, can I share you why I originally talked to you? I said, you're so concerned your thyroid's just blown up and not working. You haven't got it checked yet, but you're sure it's out of whack. And she went, just like that. It was so fun because she's fighting me, man, and she's just fighting me with words. So let's just get to the nitty-gritty and let's lay this thing out there. And then she says, how can you know? I said, this same Jesus that we're debating over. Honey, he lives inside of me. He loves you. I'm not mad at you. I don't want to fight with you. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not trying to push Jesus on you. I came over here to love you. You saw that when you looked at me? Yeah, I tried to share it with you. And we just got, you just, you know, because you've been touched wrong with, you haven't been touched this way. Wonder if I really love you. Wonder if I'm not selling anything. Wonder if Jesus is real and he knows that about you intimately and he knows it's scaring you and he wants to make sure that you know today you're whole. How about giving me your hand? She goes, She's just staring at me. I got aggressive, took her hand, <sighs> prayed for her. Well, guess what happened? What you were talking about, tangible. Uh-huh. <sighs> like a river flowed through her. She went, oh. I said, that's the presence of Almighty God, honey. See, that's a clear stream. I didn't say that to her. <laughs> that's a clear stream, girl. Ain't no silt in that one. <laughs> it's a life-giving water. <laughs> Ain't going to clog the valves. <laughs> so I prayed for her. She goes, oh, oh. I said, honey, he's Jesus. He's good news. I'm sorry the way some people handle the gospel. I understand. They mean well. They actually think about it. They don't. If what they believe is true, they ought to cry out to every man. So we talked a little about that. And she understood. Hugged me. Sitting there. So I'm in a Walmart. And I've prayed for this lady then. And I'm coming out. And I'm running across to my car. I'm heading across the Walmart parking lot. And I hear this. I love you, Dan. I love you. See you. I love you. It's the lady at the table. She's standing up. She sees me and she's screaming loud across the bar. I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. (laughs) It's just so funny. But see, she was fighting me. She didn't understand I was bringing her good news. See, it's love that changes things. She was touched so with a strong arm in Christianity. You need to change or you're, you know, turn or burn stuff. You know, you're a sinner. That's why he died, because you're a sinner. And, and you need to straighten up and repent. And you're wicked. <laughs> you just don't do well walk around telling people they're wicked. <laughs> and I don't think Jesus told me to do that. I think he said, whatever city I'm in, heal the sick, even if they seem wicked. 
This thing isn't difficult. I'm not here to point sin out in their lives. I'm an ambassador not imputing their sin. We just studied it. He's reconciling the world by not imputing sin. He wants to bring us up and out of that and show us the truth of who we really are. It's the goodness of God that causes hearts to change. Somewhere along the line, we've missed that. Now, it doesn't surprise me. There's an enemy on the earth. So for years, we've been out trying to get men to see their sin instead of God's goodness and God's love. And then when you do that, there's a lot of fighting even in the church on that. Well, yeah, but brother, you need to show them their need for a Savior. I, I, I think the goodness of God will reveal that to every man. I think when you touch people, you, you, they realize they're touched and they have done nothing. They haven't changed nothing, but they're touched. They had not done anything to be touched. And we're used to earning everything, true? We've worked up for everything we've ever gotten in life. And when you're just touched because he touches you and you haven't done anything to deserve touch, that speaks to human hearts. True? So do you see that just debating theology with that lady at the table, just talking the doctrine of, and gospel, even though the word's anointed, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing because of her, the strongholds of her belief, her former encounters, now she's got firepower to debate with me. And I'm not there to debate with her. I'm there to love her. And at some point, I need to hear Jesus or get a felt need. If you don't have a word like I had, you say, well, wonder if I don't know about her thyroid. Then you say, listen, I want to demonstrate something to you. Do you have any pain in your body, any sickness, anything that could change right now? If we'd pray, you'd be able to tell. Well, and they bring something up. Well, listen, I don't want to debate with you. I came over here to love you. I didn't come here to sell you nothing. I didn't come here to tell you how bad you were. I came here to tell you Jesus loved you enough to put himself on a cross to get you back to Father. What do you say we pray about that right now? Do you see what I mean? You can just simply get in conversation with people, guys. Hey, how's your day? Yeah, man, the weather has really been. Yeah, and you're, you're, you're heading to the checkout or you're in the aisle looking at, the, at items and they're, they're, you know, they're in the aisle and you just get chatting. Just who's ever done that? You just chat, hey, a little passing conversation for 30 seconds, right? And you say, hey, listen, because you're not hearing. Say you're not hearing a specific word of knowledge. If you're getting an impression, that's simple. You just speak it out. And please don't talk yourself out of it. I'd rather you ask them and be wrong than be right and walk by them. You're going to start getting a little impressions just because of teaching like this. You're going to be out in public and you're going to look at somebody and you're going to be thinking, blood pressure, blood pressure. And every time you look at them and three hours later, you're trying to walk away from them. <laughs> you're shopping. Well, let me go over here and get this. And then you see their face, blood pressure. <sighs> <laughs> you said, yeah, it's going to happen to somebody, right? So you just walk up to him and say, listen, I don't know how this is going to sound to you, but every time I'm looking at you here in the store, I passed you a couple times, I get the impression I, of blood pressure. Is your blood pressure okay? The last person I did that to, I said, like, it may be high. And they said, no, it's super, super low. And I said, see, when I heard blood pressure, I assumed it was high, but it's low, but I was hearing right. She said, what do you mean hearing? Isn't that cool? I said, oh, let me tell you. So then I told her, she said, you mean you saw me and heard that about my blood pressure from the Lord in your heart. You knew that. I heard it. It was very simple. It was just blood pressure. I didn't know if it was high or low, but I heard blood pressure enough to approach you. I said, listen, it only makes sense. We ought to just pray right now. I believe God wants to hike up your blood pressure a little bit. Okay. 
Isn't that cool? It's a start with people that sow seed of a genuine encounter with God. It sows seed that he's more than a doctrine. It sows seeds that he does live in people and that he can be real and he's not out in the clouds somewhere. You say, well, how's that help people? You didn't lead them to him. Well, you gave him to them. You know, well, you didn't get them to pray the prayer. You didn't get them to go to heaven. That's never my motive. If that happens and grace comes, my motive is to love them genuinely with Jesus. Give them Jesus. Do you see? We've had people say, what must I do to be saved? How can I know him? I've had a handful of people look at me and say this. Todd's had the same thing. And then I don't just pray a quick prayer. I talk to him about water baptism and everything. We just water baptized four people when I was out in New York. We just took them to the St. Lawrence River because it was there. But I don't just pray a prayer to go to heaven. I make sure they know what they're doing. It's a transformation of life. You're calling to a death to the old and you're rising to the new. You're, you're becoming something you never were before because your eyes change and your reason for being alive is totally changing. And the reason Jesus came is to get us back to truth. I share that with them. I share their created value and how God intended man to be from the beginning and that he paid the price to get us back on page. It's a beautiful message to people. They're like, I've heard people say, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. But isn't it amazing? They think they've heard the gospel six, seven, eight, ten times and it's usually repent or go to hell. He's coming soon. You want to be in the book. Well, how's that transform my life and change my motives and perspectives? <laughs> so that is never my agenda. And, and I'm willing to take as much flack as, as anybody feels like they need to give on this one. But that is not my motivation to get them to pray a prayer to go to heaven. I want to give them Jesus and let Holy Spirit lead them to truth. Do you know he's the one that saves men, don't you? You do know it's the Spirit of God that saves men. Only he can transform the heart. But if I give them a clear undoubtable look at Jesus now we got something to work with you follow what I'm saying got Patty up here has a comment or question so oh there you are so uh, yeah that that uh that, that, that word of knowledge thing I was saying, and then I'll, I'll let you share back. That word of knowledge thing I was saying, if, if you don't have that, some people say, well, I don't, ha- I don't get words of knowledge like that. Well, little impressions. Here's the cool thing about it. You go up to somebody and say, hey, man, you got something going on with your blood pressure? You say, why are you asking me that? Well, I thought I was hearing that in my heart. Actually, Christian man, sometimes the Lord shows me things. No, I don't have anything wrong with my blood pressure. Okay, it's not high or low. No, it's right on track. It's actually very good. You could be tempted to go, oh, brother, I sure missed that. Sorry, have a good day. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is not your response. Listen, listen, because it's not. It's not your response. It's not about being wrong. It's about pursuing love. So if they go, no, not at all, say, wow, well, that's, that's, thanks for being honest. I I approached you because I'd rather approach you and be wrong as I'm learning to hear him I'd rather approach you and be wrong than be right and walk by you so that's why I said something because I'm just learning how to hear and I'm sharpening my ear and obviously it probably looks like I need to get a little sharper to you but here's the deal now that we're talking 
Is there anything I can pray for? Is your body okay? Are you healthy? Because I really care and I believe there's help for you in the Lord. Or I'd have never approached you in the first place. All of a sudden, you've, your communication, you've broken ice. You have a wide open door to just ask them if there's any way you can bless them. In that passing 30-second conversation I was talking about in the aisles and stuff, just sliding over saying, listen, yeah, it is a beautiful day. You know, it'd be even more beautiful if God would just move and touch you in a certain way. Is there anything you need physically? Is there anything with children, marriage? I, I just love people and I love believing and releasing faith. God's doing amazing things. How's your health? You in any pain? Well, actually, it's amazing you ask. I just came from the doctor and remember how you said people sit down and pour out their life and problems and needs? Who's ever noticed that happen to you? Now you think people are just always talking about their problems, but out in society, people are pretty withdrawn. They're not just telling everybody their business, but it's amazing. You could be in a grocery line and they're not talking to the person in front of them about their problem. They're talking to you. You know why? That's supernatural. There's an answer inside of you. The kingdom's in you. They're, they're actually, I found this out. Uh, a pastor told me this years ago when I first got saved. Everybody started that I talked to started opening up their life to me and pouring out their heart. And I was like, I don't think this ever happened in my life before like this. I mean, people I didn't even know. I, I was in a hardware store and a guy tapped me and just started talking to me. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah? No way. Man, I think we need to pray. You know what I mean? But it's just like fish jumping in the boat. <laughs> Serious. Why? Because there's an answer inside your spirit. Why wouldn't the Lord draw them to where he's provided an answer? They don't just need any response. They need the kingdom. They need love. And if the kingdom's in Anthony, why not just lead them to Anthony and cry out their heart to Anthony? Because he's not going to say, oh, I'm sorry for you. He's going to say, fire God. No. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? This stuff will happen. Don't think it's strange. You're sitting on an airplane and somebody's just telling you all this stuff. You see what I mean? And you're like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Wow, you just found that out. And then you just say, listen, forthright. Don't wait too long. When you hear those needs, just say, listen, I believe I have an answer. Man, I think things can change. Really? Yeah. Okay? So even if you don't get a word of knowledge, you can still love people and ask them how to pray, how to bless them. Is there anything they got in their heart? You see what I'm saying? Patty. Did you forget what you had the mic for? Oh, no. okay. No. I don't know how to ask this in the right sense. Um, we'll I, figure it out. Just, we love you. Just do your best. I, I know you will. Um, <laughs> I follow you up to where you're at. Now, then you say you just go back. Okay, you tell them like in 15 seconds, you know, just let me you know this won't take long. Without getting all wordy and everything about what you, what do you actually... That's excellent. This is the kind of questions I want because I want you to see to be able to... It's very clear. So... They're sharing need. Say, listen, I hear you have that need, and I know it looks bad. I want to do something right now. Please just give me the honor. I want to pray for you. I believe that can change. Do you have pain right now? Oh, yeah, that's why I went to the doctor. It's always, it's, it's like I can't explain it. It's inside, and they, they said it's in my pancreas, whatever. And you say, listen, give me your hand right now. It's going to be good. This will be awesome. 15 seconds. 
Father, thank you for your love for them. See, because when you jump on stuff immediately, what's it revealing? You have faith in God. They're speaking out the problem and you jump on it immediately. You're aggressively revealing, I have faith in God. I want to pray. Look, I don't really want to just talk about this. Look, I'm, you know, I, I want to pray. Have faith in God. You see what I mean? That's why I want you, because you'll, you'll find that the longer you wait, you can testify to this. If you hold it off and wait, the more you develop relationship with people, but don't just come out with God, then the harder it is in time to bring him into the scene. It just seems that way. It's, it's weird. I just want people to know who you are right up front in that case when they start sharing their need. I'm, I'm, I'll listen as long as they're talking and it seems important for them to share their problem. But you can, you can rest assured the next thing out of my mouth is, wow, I heard what you just said. Listen, I want to do something. I really want to take your hand right now if you'll let me. I'm going to pray for you. And it's not a uh, I'm sorry for you gesture or sentimental gesture. I tell people that a lot. I say, I want you to know this isn't just a kind gesture. Because a lot of people turn, have turned prayer into a kind gesture. Like the highest form of grace we can receive is that at least somebody cares. And I make sure that they know this is not, did I, did I address your question? Or do you have more involved? Um, yes and no, but then when you do go into praying for them without getting wordy into your prayer, when you're praying... Right, watch this. I'll just use an example because I have to stay in the light. I have this shock collar on. Randy's got a shock collar. I was going to come take your hand, but I would be in the dark. Patty, for some reason you're sitting in the dark, but I don't believe that. I believe you're in the light. <laughs> so, <laughs> so watch this. So I say, listen... Just, can I have the honor? I know you said about the pain and pancreas. Can I just have your hand and pray? Now, she's already given me her hand. She says, sure. Father, I thank you for your love for this woman. Pain, leave her body now. In Jesus' name. What's going on, kiddo? She's going to do one of three things. She's going to go, oh, my God. That's what we always want them to do. Every time, just we're going for that. Yeah. You see what I mean? But did you see how quick I prayed? You do not want to pray long. They're most of the time already uncomfortable that you're praying in public. They're conscious of who's watching. And even though they're willing and need help, and there's a lot of personalities out there that you'd be amazed while you're praying, they're thinking, oh my God, I want this, but I don't. You follow me? Now, there's a lot of people that could care less what people think. Sure, pray for me. I was just in a parking lot, and the guy said, you ran out here? Are you serious? Sure, sticks his foot out for me. And I'm kneeling down in the parking lot praying. He doesn't care. Some people are like that. Do you see what I mean? But be sensitive to people. You're not there to uh, tax them and challenge them. You're there to bless them. So you don't pray long prayers. Very short prayers, authority prayers. Pain, you leave them right now. In Jesus' name. A lot of times I open up with, Father, thank you for your love. I'll just open up like that. Father, thank you for your love. It just is something sweet about that. Father, thank you for your love. Pain, you go. You come out of their body now and don't you ever come back in Jesus' name. What's going on? They'll do one of three things. They'll go, oh my God. That's pretty simple, right? You just say, isn't that awesome? How, yeah, but oh my God, you're, it just laughed, right? And he'd say, yeah, he just happens to be Lord. 
<laughs> and he's real and he loves you, et cetera, et cetera. And you talk and as long as grace engages, sometimes I've noticed there's, everybody's different. Who's learned we're all different? We're all in different places. So some people are so shocked, they're so taken back because they were like, what, you know, whatever, did it. now they're not even expect, and now they're here, now they got to face that reality. They're taken back. Sometimes it's not even time to talk much. You can tell there's times to just leave people alone with what God's doing. Look, I can see you're really moved by that. Oh my God, I just, I just, I can't even believe it. It's all right, believe it. Jesus is Lord, he's the way, the Father, he's always been here and he's always loved you. It's Jesus. And give him a little something and slide away. There's other people that have questions and they want to talk. That's awesome. Uh, Todd prayed for somebody. They saw him the next day and sat down and talked for 40 minutes. You see what I mean? Now, come on. You're impacted if you're going to sit down the next day and talk for 40 minutes. So that's the first thing that might happen. But where you take it, don't, please don't get in this thing and get caught afterward what you could have done better, what you did wrong, what you didn't do right. We're, we seem to be geared that way in life. And the kingdom's different. It's thank you, God, for the opportunity to sow. Thank you for what you're doing in them. God, that's amazing. And if you feel like you cut off a little short and could have said this, wow, thanks for growing me and learning. It's not like, wow, I blew it. You see what I mean? I know you got something. I just want to wrap these three things up because I'm on a track here. I don't want to forget to not do this because this happens to all of us. It'll be one or three things. When you take her hand, one of the reasons Christians don't put themselves in that position because they say, wonder if God doesn't show up. Wonder if God doesn't heal. Wonder if the pain doesn't go away. And our minds go, and we just don't even take the hand and don't even put ourselves in that position because wonder if. Well, faith says, let's do this. Faith says, how about if I love you today and give God the opportunity to land on you and come, right? So we pray. Number one thing you, we're hoping to see is, boom, all the pain's gone. Or, or I've seen this. You know, it's, I can still feel it, but it, it almost seems like it's 50, 60, it might even be 70% better. I say, really? That's awesome. Let me see your hand again. Well, now your heart's already what? Thank you, Jesus. And you just pray, check it now. Go in or watch. Man, I can barely, I have to really think about it and, and, and almost look for it, but it's, it's barely there. Oh my gosh, it's like barely there. No, it's okay, I can hardly feel No, no, give me your hand one more time. Bam. Oh my goodness, right? Let's say it's 70% better and you pray again and they go, no, it's still there, but my gosh, it's 70% better. But it's still there a little. Pray again. Yep. Now they need to leave. Say it's still there just a little bit, but it's 70% better. That's not a loss. You say, listen, how do you think that thing's 70% better? God? Yeah, it's probably a good answer. <laughs> so listen, I just believe we've touched this thing. It says if we lay hands on the sick, they recover. I know you got to get back to work or whatever, uh, or wherever you're heading, or whatever you say, you know, unless they're willing to just let you pray. But I've learned there's a point in time where I don't see something change, where I find in my own soul, I need to just release faith. And just say, you know what, God? Because you tend to start trying harder. Who's ever prayed over and over and you started getting involved? Like a better prayer? <laughs> Do you understand that your prayer doesn't heal anybody? 
It's, it's your faith in his finished work. What you say has very little to do with it. Here's Miss Linda. She's not even being forthright. And she's kind of just almost seems like she's messing around and having fun with. It's like she's camouflaging. And she squeezes his arm and, well, I just believe by tomorrow in Jesus' name. And, da, 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 da. and she's just throwing out a little bit of. But there's faith in it. And God says, Right? So your prayer, we put our faith in our ability to pray a lot of times. That's, wow, this will be a good one for a lot of people. A lot of people put, are putting their faith in their ability to pray, and then they don't feel like they're praying well enough or praying right. So they get real focused on what they're saying. It becomes a stronghold, and they get all caught up in what they're saying instead of what they're believing. Bingo. What you're believing is what heals the sick. Look, technically, if you want to get technical with Scripture, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. It doesn't even say anything about praying. Amen. Doesn't even mention prayer. My wife's seen it a bunch at school because she's in a public school and she lays hands on the kids while she's teaching. And she'll just be... They're kindergarten, so she can get away with some affection and stuff. As they get older, they don't want you doing certain things, but she can get away with it in kindergarten, and, and, and she does certain things and watches the Lord change them, and she never even speaks a word about Jesus. But you believe he's in you. And there's a child sitting, and they have the flu symptom kind of hanging on, and it won't leave, and they're, 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 they're letting them come back to school because they feel they're past a certain state where they're at, and other kids sick, but they just don't seem themselves, and, and next thing you know, she's just, while they're right, and just rub their hand like that, and in her heart, thank you, Jesus, for wholeness. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for the Spirit of God that's in me touching them, and all of a sudden, she sees them okay. Oh, what a privilege. You could do that if you're in nursing. What a good thing in nursing. If you're around people and touch and feel stuff, yeah, just hug people. <laughs> Get them, Jesus. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So technically it says lay your hands on the sick and they recover. It doesn't even say anything about praying. Jesus really, if you look at it, he didn't pray like we pray. He said like stretch forth your hand. Get up and walk. We'll see. There's command stuff. Now, now, you know, I could share a lot of examples of stuff like that, but I usually engage my heart, engage them. Thank you, Father, for your love. Lord, you're amazing. I put my focus on him, get their focus on him, that they see this as God. Bam, just pray. But I usually speak to the mountain. I don't find myself as John G. Lake. It's, it's, it's a paradox. He had major results, and you found him praying to God in, in a lot of his prayers. God, stretch forth your mighty hand and crush this wretched cancer. That's how John G. Lake would pray. Coming, come, come, Lord God, and crush this wretched cancer and take it from her body. That's how he would pray, and God would say, yeah, John, I'm with you. <laughs> so it's not a technique. His faith was there. We're, I think we've turned healing into such a technique that we're more confused <laughs> than we are in faith half the time. Because <laughs> healing's become a technique. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do right? What do I need to change? Believe in his finished work. 
they're healed because of what he's already accomplished. My faith is in that. So back to this, uh, so they don't feel all the way healed. You prayed four times and now you feel like, you know what? They're probably gonna start thinking, are we gonna do this all day? I can tell they're blessed that they're 70% better. I want them the rest of the 30. But at some point I have to release them in faith and not feel like a failure. See, when you're starting to feel like you're a failure, that is the devil straight up. You're not a failure when you're loving people. Love never fails, amen? So you're praying for, and then you say, listen, 70%, man, I was going for 100, but I'm excited. It means God's working. That pain's coming out of you. I just make that declaration to him. That pain's coming out of you. He's not a halfway work. He's bringing it to completion. He didn't do 70 just to, to, to lead you on or something. And, and that, that, that's coming out of you. I believe the Spirit of God is working effectually, restoring your pancreas, taking that mysterious pain they said, whatever they called it away, because it's not your lot in life. Jesus loves you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Might take their hands and pray one little, just release of faith prayer, Father. Thank you that you've took this pain away. And, and thank you, Lord, the rest of it's going because you love her, Jesus' name. She says, thank you, oh my God. You know what I mean? She's just sweet. The third thing that might happen, I don't like talking about it much because I don't want to set the stage for it, but I'm, I, God's helping me with it. I'm, I'm learning with this because I want everybody I touch to be healed because that was Jesus' experience. So I don't want to create a lax in us where we just get rhetoric and we're out there doing the Christian thing and saying, oh, well, praise the Lord. You're going to be healed, praise God. And where you don't really believe it, right. where you're just pushing some language, right. like you're doing some Christian. No, but you need to be sincere. That's right. And I've prayed for people where nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You're on the street, you talk to them, nothing changes at all. Right. And that's what challenges, that's what we're afraid of that's why a lot of us ain't stepping out. (laughs) But don't be afraid to love them, amen, and step out. Because here's the deal. Faith, and I I teach this all the time, it's not a hit, miss, win, or lose. Faith isn't a point in time. You're not going for it. Faith is a lifestyle. You continue in the faith. Faith is what you, what your faith is in is what you believe. You don't believe and stop believing. It's the position of your heart. Here's how Holy Spirit shared with me to share it that people can grab. It's the position of your heart to receive what he accomplished, period. It's not a plug you're putting in and pulling out. It's not something you're saying, well, I guess we didn't get it. We'll try again later. It's something you're believing for. Believe and keep on believing, right? So when you pray for somebody, here's what I do when I don't see anything change. Now, I can't get rhetorical. I'm the steward of my heart. I have to make sure, and I'm stressing this point, I have to make sure this doesn't become Christianese for me. You follow me? Because it's so easy to get into a language and not be full of heart. And it's very important that I talk to you about that because we got a lot of language out there. And people are like, hey, brother, and saying things that they don't really mean and all that stuff and but I, I gotta look at them and say listen guys say there's three people I stopped them the one in the middle's really hurting say listen guys thanks for your patience today what an honor to believe for you now I know you said you don't see anything change yet but the Bible says if we believe touching laying hands on the sick they recover it says that that if we pray the prayer of faith the prayer of faith will save the sick I'm expecting change in your body Thanks for the couple minutes it took. I know it was a little uncomfortable in a crowd. But listen, this was for you. 
If you were important enough to God to send his son on a cross to die for you, why couldn't I approach you and pray for you? Thanks for letting me pray. I appreciate your, your, your heart. And then I slip away, right? And as I slip away, I'm believing God's restoring them. Now, I paint a picture. All the time I get this faith in my heart. I picture them going back to work, sitting at their desk, getting up to get something and going, What? Whoa. Or feeling better as they go. And going, and what are they going to relate it to immediately? The man that stopped them at lunchtime and prayed. Here's the other benefit. When you turn and walk away in that situation, you keep your heart up. God, thank you for the honor that I could pray for them and release faith. Thank you for the privilege of touching them in Jesus' name. God, thank you that the kingdom's been released into their life. I'm believing you're moving, God, right? You have to do that with sincerity as you're leaving and walking away. But when you walk away, it might be the first time this person realizes that everything you did was strictly for them. You'd be amazed how people have their guard up and they're not sure what you're up to and what you're selling and where the catch is. Right. You follow? Do you have something you need to do or address? Oh, okay. And, 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 and a lot of times when you do that and you keep your heart up and stay very confident and very positive in the light, good news. Look, this wasn't a failure. A lot of people think if you pray and don't see pain leave right away that we didn't get healing. The Bible says you recover. I'm excited for what's taking place. I'm believing even in this day you're gonna see dramatic change. I believe that with all my heart. So bless you. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the honor. Have a good day. And when you walk away and do that, they're walking thinking... You know, they, so of course people can be cynical when they're together and think, oh, that guy's a little whatever. Down in their heart, they can't deny that you sincerely believe what you did, you stepped out and you directed it toward them without trying to change them in anything. You're just trying to give them what you believe. That doesn't go unnoticed. I've learned that people realize that. People realize a no-string-attached approach and a no-string-attached love. Better yet, later in the day as the pain's leaving, now they're really thinking about it. You see what I mean? By lunchtime or supper, they go and they're standing making supper and there's no pain in their body and all of a sudden they can't deny this is connected. And all of a sudden they're thinking in their heart. Who knows it releases them Godward. Now they're thinking in their heart, God, God must have did this. I mean, is God really that real? You mean a man could touch? And all of a sudden, the presence of God in their kitchen, because mm-hmm. we just sowed seed, is touching them. And he speaks to their heart, and now they're toasted. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, man, it's almost like they, they cared about me. It's like those people, they, they cared, and they, they loved me. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on them. I've loved you from the beginning. I've always known. <laughs> Who knows God has the ability to do that to your heart? And you're just fried. You see what I'm saying? I just talked to somebody this week. I said, How did you, where did you get saved, man? He said, I woke up on my bed. People I'd sown into my life for years. I woke up on my bed one morning and had a God encounter. And he's totally transformed. Drug addict his whole life. He said he laid on his bed and God just rippled through his heart and just shared his love with him. And he said, I can't even explain the emotions, feelings, and the awareness but God was there. And he said, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. He said, I've never been the same since that experience. What, what was happening? Men were sowing. Men were watering. 
continuing, believing, interceding, and praying, and God brought increase. Make sense? Okay, so one of three things. Wow, it's going. Somewhat going, still there. Everyone's a win when it's done in love and faith. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to after the fact that were made whole that looked like nothing happened. Tons and tons and tons. Does that steal my aggression and make me nonchalant? Oh, well, whatever. They'll be healed sooner or later. Not thinking that. I want everybody healed now, but here's what I am believing. When I pray, the kingdom's coming. You get it? And I'm not talking three months and three years down the road. I'm talking the kingdom's coming. You see what I'm saying? And I'm believing within days, no more. I'm just thinking God's coming. I don't even put a time frame on, but I'm believing aggressive, progressive change. You follow what I'm saying? Who, you had the mic? Okay. My question is, um, when we were talking about like being afraid, and you were saying, you know, just don't do, approach that person unless you're not. Oh in yeah. Place to, you know, you're feeling that, you know, uncertainty. You're feeling that fear or whatever, but stepping out anyway. Certain topics, I don't encourage people to try to find faith in certain arenas. It's not the time to try to find faith. You find faith through love and your relationship with God, and you build that stronghold of God. Trisha's asking back when I said about if you're concerned something in somebody's going to get on you, I wouldn't encourage you to try to find faith in that situation because of the the doubting, the consternation, because the devil's so wicked. Later that day, uh, a little symptom, a little whisper comes into your mind, a little flashback or something, and then the first thing you think is, oh my God, he said, they touched me. What happened? What came on me? And and try to freak you out in fear. What 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 I encourage people to do is in those categories, like even in crisis, who's ever heard me preach that if, if you feel like you're dying and you're praying all the right Christian things and in, the, in your mind you're saying, yeah, but I'm dying, this isn't working, but I need to believe and you're trying to find faith in that crisis, probably just call 911 and get some help and right. get on track and don't put off faith in the process. I teach that. I actually am not ashamed to teach that because those aren't the situations where you're trying to find faith. Right. You see what I mean? But like in my, in my life, <laughs> I just live a certain way, okay? But it's my life. I won't live that way towards another person. Well, you saw that on Monday. Right. I, I actually went to Sharon and said, you need to monitor, or to Susan about Sharon. And I said, you need to, at break, I said, I, I need you to check with her. I'm not sure we're not in a place where we need to just get somebody to look at her and make sure things are good, and et cetera, and continue to pray and believe. But that's just be liable in the sense of overseeing her and just do that. And I really rolled that ball on the break time and you made a decision. Yeah. And so that shows that here I am preaching healing and faith, but at the same time, I understand it's not one or the other. I'm not putting on a coat, taking off a coat. I'm pursuing knowing him. I'm pursuing faith. But in a situation where fear's involved and letting somebody touch you that you're fearful, that's what makes that doctrine powerful if you believe it. It's always about believing. Like, in other words, if you go out in a crowd and believe you're subject to what's in the crowd, who knows now you're going into the crowd vulnerable, and that's what makes you vulnerable, the fact that you believe that. 
Do you see what I'm saying? It's that simple. Or you already settled in your heart relationship through the word that you're not vulnerable in a crowd. That Christ in you is greater. And, and even that phrase, and we covered a lot in Power and Loves and Teachings, where it says, well, you're not to lay your hands on any man suddenly, brother. The church has pulled that so out of context. Well, don't lay your hands on any man suddenly. You partake of their sins. And, and, and what it, they, we preach it out of context, and it makes it sound like don't be rash and get your hands on people. You might get touched by what they're into. No, it's the ordination of leadership. It's the whole context of the chapter is getting men ready for leadership and that they ought to have approved lives and the lists and qualifications of leadership are right there for, for deacons and elders. And then it says, so don't lay hands on them hastily. Make sure their lives are approved. Because if you ordain them and pray ahead of time and ordain them into office, into ministry, into responsibility, and, and they find out, you find out they're not ready and they fall in sin, you're going to partake of that because you're the one that ordained them and said, go for it. For it. Right. Make sure men are approved. Don't lay hands on them suddenly to release them into ministry and calling because you'll partake of their sin if they're not ready. It has nothing to do with fear and people's sins coming on you. But them little one-liners, isn't it amazing how they get in the church and people quote them off the top of their head and don't even know where to find the scripture. They just quote them. Well, brother, you don't lay hands on them suddenly and they haven't even read their Bible. But they'll lay that one out there. <laughs> and it doesn't mean what they're saying. Is that, do you make sense of that? So I'm just saying that I'm not encouraging you to use that topic as a place to try to find faith. Where you find faith for that topic is in your relationship with God. That's why Jesus walked the way he walked. Because he was one with the Father. Right. Not because he was walking in a crowd trying to believe to be okay. Right. He was okay. You see what I'm saying? Well, my question, you know, it's like um, I ran into this situation where there was a, you know, a satanic person. And um, it was almost like a fear rose up in me, like, you know, well, if I approach that person, what are they going to do to me? But yet it was still, I felt still like drawn, like sure. compelling. Well, that's something you walk out in your own heart. So there's a flashback of fear. There's a little doubt of fear, a thought of fear. But your spirit man rises up and crushes that and says, man, that isn't the reality. God loves them, etc." Who knows? You can have little apprehensions pop in all the time. But down inside, what you really believe is there. You know what you're really believing. The little apprehensions can get crushed. I'm talking about trying to find faith and trying to be in faith when you have that encounter so you're not slimed or something, you know. And, and if you're in that, that's not really the time uh, to just do that. You're not compelled to do that. I would say, man, grow this way and live this way. You know what I mean? So, and there's times where you can feel that way in the Holy Spirit saying, but just go, just go. Because of the topic, uh, the sickness in your body that, that hasn't moved or left and you've been prayed for and prayed for, what an opportunity to grow in relationship. See, because the, the human tendency is to get weary, identify with the sickness, judge yourself through the sickness, weigh yourself spiritually low, all that stuff. I've, I've seen people do all the above. The greatest thing to do by faith is to cling to your love for God and His love for you and relationship through Him, through Christ, in the face of that, and let this identify you. That's how you can walk in victory this way, by not letting go this way. You, you hold on all the more in trials and trouble. Sickness or a circumstance in your body uh, or, or your family that doesn't change, making sure you don't change your mind. 
What a good springboard. Those kind of trials are a great springboard to communion and relationship. You walk through and build up in God and in character through perseverance and and, and grow up into God, then you can pretty much face anything. When something hits you that personal, a sickness, and you can walk through it and stay in relationship with Jesus and not lose integrity and not lose the value of your life in Him in the midst of the quandary, and not be moved by it and not let that define you, but let him define you and let God be in position to determine your circumstance and not your circumstance to determine God. And you don't change your mind. Man, that's a place of great growth. Satan comes and does stuff and he's intending to break you. But he's always running the risk of making you. If you just hold on. And you can, you can say, yeah, but brother, how long? Yeah, but brother, I've been holding on. And those phrases are dangerous phrases because that means your mind's very active and your human wisdom and reasoning is gaining a voice and your circumstances being dictated by some of that. See, because you want to get those things. You don't even want to actually be able to think that way because you love not your own life unto death you gave yourself you died to yourself it's not yell but brother how long it's thank you Jesus your Lord in the midst I'm, I'm just saying it's a good place for all of us in any situation family stuff I'm telling you that you, you got a family member you got a spouse you even have a spouse you have a family member that's close to your life and seems to have an impact or influence in your life in a negative way what a time to stand and not be changed moved or look back or let that thing gain identity in your life but stay this way and speak life over that situation people say yeah but my husband hasn't been what he should be yeah, but my wife hasn't done what she, you know, how would you feel? And they start giving allowance for the flesh, allowance for despair, allowance for discouragement. Then their language starts giving them a permission slip to be less than truth. It's human reasoning. It's the way that seems right to a man. You follow me? It's not God. So some of these situations are great opportunities to really be affirmed and established in him. And even the situation you're talking about, that's where you get rooted and grounded in love. And then when you're in that, even if you get the little apprehension, it's quickly crushed by the truth that's inside of you. Does this make sense? Okay, go ahead. Um, I had a different response. I was praying for someone, um, going after, prayed a couple times, and then the response was they were worse. They're okay. And just based on the training that I had, I just prayed a prayer, spirit of infirmity, you go now. Mm-hmm. And, they were, and they were healed after that. So that's yeah. kind of, you know, I just want to No, that's, that's good, infirmity prayer. Uh, pain's moving. Yeah. Who's ever prayed for somebody and the pain went like from here up to here? Yeah. Or from here to here? Yeah. Well, pains don't just move. So there's afflictions, there's infirmities out there. I'm going to take that down there. Do you still... I, no, I was talking to Anthony. Uh, so it's, it's really good. There's an authority. So when you locate something, we have this little phrase between Todd and us and stuff, you move, you lose. Because it's like and Bill Johnson says, if you flush it out, if it flushes, you shoot it. Because like, he's, a, he's a bird hunter, you know, he's like flushing quail and stuff. He says, if it flushes, he said, you want it to flush. Because if it flushes, you got a clear shot. Bang. And they're like, oh, he's killed the bird. No, we're talking about infirmity, not quail. But you, if it flushes, if it moves, it loses. So uh, the first time I experienced that uh, 
was with my wife years and years ago. She had a real bad headache, and it was right in, like, above her eye. It was right here in the front, and it was one of them that would make you feel like you had to shut your eye. And I said, hey, what's going on? She said, oh, it's just my head. And, and this was a long time ago. I mean, I had just right after I was saved. I said, well, my goodness, can we let me pray for you? She said, okay. And I went to pray for her, and I put my hand right there, and she just opened her eye. And I said, what? She said, it just went around. It's in the back of my head. It just went, zoop, and it's right in the back of my head. As soon as I put my hand there, it's, just like, it's like it ran back to the back of her head. And I said, I didn't know a whole lot about infirmity and teaching like, like, and stuff like that. So I, here's all I said. It came out of my spirit. I said, well, Jesus prayed for a blind man. And watch what I did. It was cool. And I think it was all spirit-led because I didn't have... I was just barely saved. And I said, Jesus prayed for a blind man and said, what do you see? And he said, men is trees. He said, let's just pray again. So let's just pray again. And I went like this. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing. I just covered her, you know. I just went like this. I'm going to pray. And she said, honey, when you said that, it just left. It just left. See, there's things going on spiritually we don't understand. They really don't want to encounter the anointing of God and the presence of God. They'd love to miff you. They'd love to get you striving. They'd love to get you in the flesh. They'd love to demonstrate and manifest in weird ways to get you impressed with them and be a phenomenon to you like, ooh. They, they love to impress people because they're withered, withering, cut off branches coming to nothing. So they love when you give them times a day. But when you see something intensify. So if a man has shoulder pain and you pray for him and he goes, Oh man, dude, what are you doing to me? It just got twice as bad. That's like a reaction. That's like a spiritual stronghold saying, I ain't leaving. I'm here to afflict him. You're not making me go. It's like a defiance. And it amplifies. It's impossible for pain to just do that right at that moment. It's spiritual stuff. So you pray and you take authority over that infirmity because in the name of Jesus, and don't get wigged out by it and think, oh my God, it must be a spirit. Well, there's a spirit living in you. <laughs> he happens to be, I'll get to completely. And then you just, uh, infirmity, you leave right now. You afflicting spirit, you go. In the authority of Jesus' name, I command you, you leave, you come out. Boom. I've had people to teach people, I've had people when I've perceived it was an infirmity, especially if they're Christians, that's when I have it actually, I don't remember doing it unless they were Christians. But Christians get hit with this stuff and it's time to just receive love and take authority and take a stand over your body. I've had Christians, infirmity, you get out of my body now and you afflict me no more. I am a child of the living God and he loves me. Now watch, you can turn that into a method because you wrote a book on that way of prayer. And now you've just got a confession sheet. Now you're praying a principle over your life and you're sounding dramatic. Or you really believe that and you're in the love of God and you actually see that he loves you and treasures you and this thing has no right. There's a place to pray from understanding and revelation or a place to pray from principle. I think we get trapped praying principle all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a, that's why I teach this more than I teach anything. Do you know that I teach this by now, right? More than I teach anything. Why? Because when I say that, it's not a Christian decree. It's coming out of the truth of who he is in me. Infirmity, you leave. You see what I mean? Did you have something still? Because I had you on hold. I just remembered because you didn't put your hand back up and some others shot up and I kind of... You were being gracious. And I know before 
uh, for years when I was on the road, I hadn't walked in the healing that we're, we've been learning about over the last number of years. But what was important then to me was I got to pray for people and just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He would lead me to places to eat or to go and set people beside me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, a, there's tables and chairs everywhere, but somebody would sit right down next to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so my wife and I, Jenny and I, when we travel, he, in traveling is a great thing to do because you get opportunity to present whatever it is, the gospel, whether it's laying hands on or whether it's a word of encouragement or anything. Yeah, just, it can be a mix. Remember how we covered, it's a whole lot of different ways. You guys weren't here, I don't think, on Monday, but I had shared on Monday, There's, it's not just healing, it's a whole lot of different things, and that's what he's talking about right now. Because uh, we were headed to Texas on uh, September, or no, uh, November, Thanksgiving Day we left, <laughs> and a friend of ours had said, you know what, there's, there's a really good place to get dinner on Thanksgiving Day, and that's uh, Cracker Barrel something like that right so we're down in the Carolinas somewhere and the Holy Spirit says it's time to go to Cracker Barrel <laughs> right and we had three encounters just connecting mm-hmm. and it was just you know just in, on the same trip and the Lord told us to go to Walmart and ended up another encounter for uh, for Jenny and a gal it was just it's, all kinds it, of stuff it's hard just, to teach this but what he's saying is, I've seen God do this to people to break them in. When they're a little apprehensive, he'll just create an appointment. But I've seen it really happen when people are just in position and willing and saying, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do, I don't just want to eat at Cracker Barrel. Man calls me to see, be aware, connect, divine. So you put yourself in agreement with Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you guys have a working faith or you even talk about that or if it's just something that happens. But maybe you can share your experience. Like, do you guys just mutually agree, hey, we follow you, Lord, whatever you want to yeah. do. We, That's something you talk about. Yes. And, Yep. Right. We so, just follow him, and we talk about it, and we wait. You know, if we, you know, if he has anything for us to do. And but so you're finding that this is a pretty regular thing. Then, when right. you're on the road, right. it's it's yeah. not like the months apart. Yeah. Right. See, when it becomes months apart, then it concerns me. I'm thinking people need to just go love somebody. But when you get in a place where all of a sudden you're learning, hey, I'm being drawn here. God just sat this person beside and you're aware of that conversation. Things happen. So there are vital touches. And see, if Jesus in three years, and this doesn't pressure us, it just makes a statement. If Jesus in three years did more than the world could contain books... Our testimonies, probably, if we're being led by the Spirit, aren't five months apart. <laughs> Are you following me? <laughs> because we wouldn't even fill a page in our life. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I'm not put there. You can hear that in pressure and think, oh, I ain't doing enough. That is not the ear to hear it in. What I'm saying is there's a whole lot more available. There's a whole lot more God wants to do. And it seems like when people understand that and agree, especially in a marriage, and say, hey, whatever you want. Man, our life's not our own. We're going to enjoy our meal today. But we're ready for any kind of connection. And our eyes are open. Our hearts are alive. Yay. And it seems like God's doing that, doesn't it? Hmm? The the girl at Walmart, really, really particularly, she had never heard the gospel. Never. Wow. And she had tattoos all over her body. And I began to, I said, can I just, do you know, uh, Doug Addison teaches this, that tattoos are prophetic and you can read through them. And she had the love of God all over her body. She just didn't know. I said, what was your first tattoo? And I began to speak to her. And God gave me the name of her husband and her child mm. through all that. Well, that'll get your attention. And, and I spoke that to her. Tears just started yeah. going down her cheeks. 
And what she really had was her, her destiny was all over her body. Wow. Here's something she just said that I want you to catch. And we're going to have to go on break here soon. I'm going to get the, I got to get up. It's a shock collar thing, guys, for those of you that are visiting. Oh! Okay. Well, I finally crossed the line. Okay, go ahead, Kimberly. Um, 13 weeks I haven't crossed it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have a question and an example of the question to, like, Specifically, um, the question is, what is with when you pray for someone? And I see this more so with believers, and I'm not talking about the whole unbelief thing. Like, I've got that revelation that you're talking about. Who right. cares about people's unbelief like I believe? Um, I was praying for a friend. She had a pain in her body that was severe. Um, and my question is, what do you do when the pain comes back? With her, we prayed. This was in the beginning. One of the first people I prayed for. We prayed and prayed and prayed. I went to her house one day. We prayed. And then finally, the last time that we prayed, we stopped because it was like Holy Spirit touched her. She started crying like she knew something was different. The pain didn't leave, but we were like, this is over. Like, right. we're done. And it just I came back. I go home the next, that night, I have a dream and I see her in the dream with like scales falling off her body, the, my mind immediately goes to Saul's conversion, and I read it again, and I was like, three nights. He was blind for three nights. So I was like, I knew I wasn't supposed to call her for three nights. So I waited for three nights to pass. I call her, and she's like, this is the first day it's gotten better. And it got better, and it was almost all gone, and then it all came back. Okay. I want to talk about it a little. Let me make a comment. I'm going to, I'm not, I, this will sound like I'm shifting gear, but we're coming right. That's an excellent question. Uh, Jenny said something, and then I got, I, I started getting shocked. And uh, <laughs> she said as she began to speak to this lady, minister to her, then God gave her the names, etc. Did you hear that? Yep. A lot of times we're waiting for info before we approach. As you step out in love, you'd be amazed how God will increase. It'll flow. If you just step out with the little bit you have, like just to talk with them, or just, hey, can I pray for you? Or, hey, you look like you're in pain. You'd be amazed how once you engage and start going, because he doesn't, he wants you to live by faith. He wants you to be a spontaneous flow of love. He wants you to be a flowing river. And if you're waiting back till you hear a word, who knows you can love them whether you hear a word or not. There's somewhere to start. So as she began to start in faith, God what? met her faith and gave her even more intimate. So I want you to know that you, like a lot of times when we approach people, even Bob Hazlett in this upcoming Power and Love, he'll teach you prophetically to just walk up to somebody and say, you know, you're the kind of person that, believing that God will fill the rest. And it's amazing how, how that happens. So, so, you know, that takes faith to walk up to somebody and say, you know, when I look at you, I think you're the kind of person that, and you're not pre-planning what you're going to say. So you're actually trusting that the Spirit of God knows them. Back to what Kimberly just said, I have noticed 
It's just a hard one to answer scripturally other than the accountability of the word. I believe Satan is so freaked out and afraid of the word. He's not after you. He's after the word becoming real in you. He's trying to quench God and the kingdom of God. He, he really, apart from God, he could care less about you. But you're made in the image of God and you're called to be restored back to that through Christ. So here's what I've seen. On the streets, people that aren't saved. It's a paradox, it seems. People that aren't saved get healed and don't get saved, just get healed. And it's a, it's a vital touch in their life. They curse afterward, you talk to them, you bump into them two weeks later. Hey, how you doing, man? Man, ever since you prayed for me, I'm great. And then you get to sow back into them more and believe God's working deeper in them where they're not just what everybody's concerned about, just healed and but yet not in the Lord. Do you know what I mean? And we get heady with that one and we... I think sometimes we interfere with even the working of Holy Spirit. But it's rare. I don't have encounters. I don't have recollection of people getting prayed for on the streets and the pain coming back. It seems to be always Christians. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I believe because Satan wants to steal away your heart. He doesn't want you to believe God. He wants you discouraged. He wants you to say, well, that wasn't real. He's trying to find vulnerability, weakness, and get you to relent and step back. And I believe he's attacking however he can attack to try to make you grow weary, make you draw back, make you pick up love for your own life, let you get frustrated, or whatever. Somehow these people that don't have the word in them, it seems like God's somehow protecting them because they would be quickly destroyed. There's almost a sovereignty in that. Are you all following me? It seems like people that don't have any understanding of the word, they get healed and they don't even know to hold their healing. They don't even know. They're just living every day and they're fine. But people that have the accountability of the word, because here's the deal. Just be, those people are healed, but who knows? That's not the big threat. Uh, and it seems like God is keeping them. He doesn't allow you to be tempted more than you can bear or handle. God. So he's somehow in this whole thing, but there's an accountability in Christians at the hearing of the word to hear and do. Wise man. Hear and not do? Ugh, foolish man. Same storm comes to both. One stands and what was built stands. The other falls. Right? So there's an accountability in the word. When faith comes, when the word comes and faith comes in that word, I believe the enemy's right there to try to stop that. Once you and I know, he that knows to do right and doesn't, to him it is sin. I think he's trying to get us to violate our conscience, our identity. I believe he's looking for any avenue he can to attack in an area where you've received something from God and have the knowledge of the word on that. Because he's trying to get it from keeping it from being real in your life. So you're in a war. It actually proves how real this whole spiritual thing is. Because here we are praying in the streets for people that are cursing after they're healed. They're standing there saying, I don't even believe in healing. And we're saying, that's all right. We're not asking you to. We just want to pray, man. Let's see what's real. We pray and they get totally healed. You got Christians crying out for healing. So it's this big paradox that you can get heady about and get confused about. It's, it's because we have a knowledge of the word. There is an ignorance on them and an innocence in that realm. Jesus said, if you were blind to the Pharisees, you wouldn't be guilty. That's an amazing phrase. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But because you say we see, your guilt remains. 
There's people that are so, but forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. So you bring a little light into it. You bring a little God demonstration. You sow a seed. And it seems like grace preserves them in a birthing process. You bring that person into the kingdom and now start teaching them, giving the word, and then they find themselves in some of the same battles and same things that Christians are in the middle of. That's why we don't grow weary in doing good. We're in a war. And we don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of life. We don't say, well, I wonder why they're all getting healed. Well, I've been crying out for healing for years. And, and, and for years you've been crying out like that, frustrated. And you've reduced this thing to a principle and a way to get better and feel better instead of a relationship of love where faith works through love and you're rooted and grounded in Him and you love not your own life and you understand what you're in. That's why I'm always talking to people about their motivation and their heart and their striving. And we've turned healing into a method and principle by which we get help. And we've left a lot of people hurting, frustrated, and trying everything out there with no avail. And now what? And what's missing is this. If we're not careful, it's real easy being driven by need and hurt and real pain to just use this as a way to get better. Like to find a breakthrough. That is not what this is for. This is to enter you into relationship to become sons and daughters, to walk in authority and move in the kingdom. Satan is going out of his way to keep that from becoming real in your life. He loved to keep you reduced to doctrine. You get what I'm saying? So it seems like... There's an accountability and faith in the Word, and, and God wants you to grow up into Him in all things. I used to get, Kimberly, in my life, I'd get through things that were contrary to the Word. I'd get thrown in situations, and in the first couple years, I told this probably before in the school, I'd get this picture of God sitting on a throne. I couldn't see His face, but I could see the image of a man on a throne with glory. It was just a picture I'd get. I got it right now. And uh, he, he had His arms crossed. And he was looking down, not that he was mad, he just had his arms crossed always and there was a message to me in that, I could relate to that. And he's looking down and I'd always hear this right in the middle of trial, so what are you gonna do, Dan? In other words, he was saying, don't even look to me, it's your response, I've given you everything through the kingdom. Understand and believe and fight well. He was always saying to me, so what are you gonna do? So I love that. See, I want that. I don't want to just have a relationship with God where I'm undecisive. Where are you? What am I doing? God, when are you going? God, my beef isn't this way. He settled this when he sent his son and brought me into the kingdom. Now he's put authority in my mouth, a sword. He's put a shield. He's given me the kingdom. And I need to be assertive with that. And he would always say, so what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to take it personal. I'm going to rise up and fight. And I'm going to stand and know He loves me no matter what. And I'm going to stand and know that we win. Period. And even if it doesn't seem like we're winning, I know we win. Do you see what I mean? And I'm not going to change that. He's already sent that message. So isn't that amazing that God, very young in the Lord, would give me that impression? So what are you going to do? He says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? You take your staff and you split that sea. Right? Moses does the old, he does what we do. Stand back now and watch the Lord. He's coming, he's gonna move. (laughs) He said, why are you crying out to me, Moses? Moses. 
You take your staff, what I gave you, authority, and you split that sea. He, Jesus says in Matthew that we are to have faith and we say to the mountain. Man, you pound that mountain. I don't care if it seems like you're tired of swinging. The hammer is able to break that thing. You, you, you see, the, the, the hammer is the word is a hammer able to break the hardest of stone. Right? Meaning hearts in that context. But there's the same principle. So you got a stronghold, an infirmity, a belief system, a body, a fear, an identity cross, cross in the line of identity through a, a trial in your flesh. And you just keep swinging the hammer of truth and word through his love. And Father, I thank you. My heart will not fail today. And I thank you that my life is in your hands and you're effectually working in me. Body, you be strong. You carry me through this day and we will do the will of God. I will never quit because we've already won. Ah, There's a place to know that's true in the face of trial. I know a lady, a pastor, who got hit with MS and it got really bad fast and she wouldn't let go and her husband was a pastor and, and he didn't let go. And She prayed, played healing stuff and worshiped Jesus and kept her heart alive. And you could say all about your stories. See, once you start saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through, you are already trapped. Because there are people out there that have been through so much worse than you've ever even imagined. So we can't do that. That's actually accounting for our flesh. Yeah, but you don't know how tough it's been, brother. And you break down, you cry for the last couple years. Because you put people in a position where you're demanding them to be sentimental with you. Instead of give you truth. So here's this lady, put yourself in her shoes. All her friends are like, oh, bless her heart, she's in denial. Look, if God was going to heal her, she'd have been healed by now, especially her, because she believes like nobody we know. Intellectual, mind running, people talking, mind running, talking. There she is laying. Two years. She's like, two years. Don't say that, Dan. It's just her testimony. Two years, and, and she won't let go. Wonder if in that process what she said she believed became what she believed because she was faced with trial. Wonder if the fact that she didn't let go affirmed that I really do believe this. I don't take life personal. Two years isn't a timeline that's going to break me. It doesn't matter. Two years or 20. Not that I'm pushing off and waiting for 20. There's a point there. There's a principle. I don't change my mind. I'm loved by God. Healing's for me. And I'm going to win. And two years goes by. She's in bed. Can't even walk. MS ravaged her. She's totally invalid. Laying in the bed. Worship stuff and healing stuff. And just keeping her heart up in God. And her friends thought, poor thing. And, and why can't she just face this? And what? Face this and what? Two years goes by. She's laying there. The presence of God comes on her. She, she gets right out of bed. She's completely 100% restored in a moment. Yeah. Like this moment. <sighs> but good Christian friends, meaning well. Cynical and almost trying to talk her out of her journey. Look, when Bartimaeus says, when Bartimaeus says, David, son of mercy, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? He says that. He's blind. What's going on? Jesus, the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, whatever they said. 
Jesus, son of David. What's that mean, son of David? I believe you're the Savior. I believe you're the one that was to come. I believe you're here and you're my answer and I'm not letting you pass by. Jesus, son of David, the Messiah, the Savior of my life. I cry out to you. Jesus keeps on walking, doesn't say a word. So the crowds suppose, look, if he was going to heal you, he'd have healed you by now. In fact, if he wanted you healed, you wouldn't be blind in the first place. There's a whole lot of other people with need down the road here, friend. Why are you getting so loud and causing a fuss? Don't be so selfish. You're not the only one with the situation. Come on. He walked by. He heard you. If he was going to heal you, he would have. They're hushing this man. You have to believe that they're hushing him and trying to correct him and stop his heart cry. The first time he cried out, he wasn't faced with a reason not to believe. He was just crying out because he heard Jesus was there. Everybody could cry out. Everybody does cry out. Don't we? There's people that don't believe in God. And when they find out they have cancer, they pray just in case he's there. But watch. When he cries out and doesn't stop crying out. When he doesn't take to heart all the signs and all the signals of the natural. But his heart says, you're the Savior. Yeah, but you're the Son of David. But you're the Messiah. But you're my hope. You're here for me. He cried out what? All the louder in the face of every reason why not to cry out. He was given every reason not to cry out. And cried out all the more. And I wonder if in some of our lives we're faced with stuff. We know the word principally, but in our walking this thing out, it's where we bump into revelation. It's where we say, wow, I will not be moved. I can't. My, my. That's why I said if you're sick and haven't received healing, pray for the sick. That's right. Because it's your statement, I believe he heals. That's right. I believe he's the healer and it's the will of God to heal. That does not make you a hypocrite. It actually makes you a believer. So what Jesus, he's walking and Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he rises above the noise of unbelief and human wisdom. And what's Jesus do? Stops. Boom. Is that amazing or what? You got a widow or a a, a woman and she's before. We just shared this the other day in Luke, the unjust judge. And she's crying out. And, and, and she's crying out that she be vindicated, that she be justified, whatever. And, and the judge said, she, how did, he didn't want to. It's a contrast parable. It's the opposite of the nature of God. Here's a woman in a contrast of who God is from an unjust judge. Who knows God's not an unjust judge? She's crying out day and night. And the unjust judge said, where, where's that at? Luke, where is that? Who knows where that is? What, what is it? Thank you. You woman of the word. I knew somebody knew and I was looking your way, Martha. I know we're late. I'm sorry. We're doing our best here. I got to just finish this quick. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not. Uh Uh-oh. Men ought always to and not faint or lose heart, the Bible says. 
Come on. We pray, we view our circumstance, we tend to lose heart and are faint, we talk a lot, we rebound, get back to praying, tend to faint, lose heart, pray, discourse, human reasoning, yell, but we do that stuff a lot. And Satan has seen it, he knows it. I'm not saying everybody does it. We tend to do it. And then he comes and puts pressure on here or a little more here or he adds a little bit more fuel to the fire. And now it's not just this, but it's something else. And he just keeps coming because he's saying, I don't believe you believe. You're just in this for you. You don't love God. You're not surrendered. It's really about you. And then when you say to your Christian friends, yeah, but you know what, but it's been so long. But I, then you're forcing them into that same emotional thing. You're forcing them in to be sensitive to you. It is a yuck and it's a trap. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we can't be sensitive, but not at the cost of truth. So we say, listen, honey, or listen, brother. I understand, and, 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 and I know I understand what you're trying to say. I know I haven't been in your shoes. That's how I try to talk to people. And I haven't been in the pain you're in. And, and I understand that your logic is saying, yeah, but, if, do, 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 do. but listen. And then you start talking about relationship, surrender, getting up every day and saying, you know what, God? I don't like feeling this way in my body. I wished it was gone, but it doesn't change a thing. My life is in you. And, and you've got to grab a hold some way, this way, so that as you're being squeezed, the image of Christ is coming out this way. That's right. See what I mean? Even if you begin to intercede for others, pray for people. I've learned the longer people are in things, it becomes their world. Like people call me. You ought to hear on the machine what happens psychologically to people. People call me oblivious to anything else in the world. What they're going through is the only thing happening in their mind, in the whole world. Like they're the only person in trouble because it's so real. Now, I'm not saying that to criticize. I'm saying that's the psychological thing that people do. I know you're busy, and I know, but you have to call me now because you don't understand what we're in the middle of. And it's been way, and, and I listen to a CD, and I know you might even be having to travel or here or there, but you have to call me ASAP. Call me right now. And three hours later, I haven't heard from you yet. If you care at all, where are you? Why haven't you called? And I'm in another state. Right. But it's all they can see. That is not what gets you healed. That's not faith. That's not the desperate thing. That's not the woman pressing through the crowd. We think if I could be aggressive enough, I'll get healed. People drive five hours to a meeting. They think that's the faith that'll get them healed. Well, I drove five hours to the meeting. That's works. That's a zero. Are you following me? You guys are quiet. Some of you are looking at me funny. It's the finished work of Christ. It's God's love for you. It's not what you do. It's who he is and who you are because of him. Never losing sight of that. We're going we're gonna to pray and not what? Lose heart or faint. If, I'd be, if you'd be honest, who's ever been in a crisis and you've lost heart and you've fainted and rebounded or fainted and rebounded? Be honest. Let me see your hands. Okay. Now watch. As you're doing that, you're losing heart and rebounding. It sounds good. At least we're rebounding. But if you have a grid for losing heart, that makes you this. 
And when do you ever arrive to the knowledge of truth? Because about as you're on the, the way to truth, you start thinking in a way that loses heart again. Wonder if you throw away the permission to lose heart. That's right. That's good. I'm school. Stop. I got to let you go to break. It's way too late. Some of you have to probably potty. Go. We'll finish. We'll, we'll finish. I just need to let you break out of courtesy. Go ahead. Man, I feel so revved up. I didn't want to stop. You're having way too much fun. Yeah, oh my goodness. Okay, we ready to roll? We all back? Or is the food better than our preaching? I'm still figuring that out. We're in the last week of school and I'm still starting to believe that. So I want to finish this and Kimberly still has something. Do you still have the mic back there? Okay, we'll track it down. Oh, there it is, yeah. Okay, watch this. Because we're just on something here I want you to see and it doesn't really have to do with out in the streets but this concept that God's passing along, this principle of, of a way to live, it's, it's, it's a... I don't even like that phrase. It becomes your lifestyle. It's, uh, you can hear the gospel as principles always, but it's always intended to become who you are. Let me say it that way. Do you see what I mean? So you can pick up a precept here. God even uses that word, precepts. But we always run the risk of letting them just stay a principle or it becomes my reality through relationship and it's the way it is. It's who I am. It's not what I'm doing. It's who I am. This one right here will benefit you greatly just in staying forward in loving people. Because it's not about weighing results, it's about loving people. Do you see what I mean? There's times where if I'd have weighed results outwardly, I'd have been greatly deceived. Because God did a whole lot more than met the eye. Who understands what I'm saying? I used this last week, or whenever it was. Uh, I said if we'd weighed Jesus' life and ministry at the cross or even right after his death, it doesn't look too fruitful. Come on, be real with me. He's got a handful of followers, and they're not even committed enough to stand with him. Come on. He's ministered to thousands. He's been to every city in the region. He's healed and healed and healed. And on the day he was crucified, the masses of people cried out for a murderer to be released and said, crucify him, his blood be on us and on our children. So if you look, they said that in a wrong heart. Pretty powerful thought though, his blood be on us and on our children. But there, there she's meaning the, the guilt of his blood. But... God turned that and left his blood beyond us in mercy and, and righteousness. But, but watch this. If you assess Jesus' ministry at that point, 
It's a bust. Come on, be real with me. A bust. It's, it's nothing. It's accomplished nothing. He's got a couple women crying over him when he's on the cross. The rest of his guys are scattered and crying. But he's healed thousands. He's preached to probably a million. Who knows? Population way back in in culture. But if you look at his life and you don't have faith, and you don't understand the power of sowing and watering and God bringing increase, you can introspect your ministry. You can debrief and see how well you're doing and make changes. You can always be shifting and never established in a position of faith. Because the best was yet to come. The fruit was yet to be seen on the tree. Right? He raises from the dead, reassembles his guys, recommissions his guys, is what I mean by that, just gets them back on track, sends them out, and what is it like a month and a week later, the Holy Spirit comes, sits on all their heads, fire, and Peter starts preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now there's thousands cut to the heart coming into the kingdom. By Acts chapter 5, there's so many thousands and so much going on and people are all in reverence of God and the name of Jesus is exalted. A couple months before that, it looked like he failed. Think with me. If you don't have faith in your heart and sincere love when you're touching these people, you read face value, you're going to be deceived, you won't even be encouraged, you'll feel like God doesn't use you much. And you'll say, what's the use? You know how insignificant people are driven to feel in the body like they don't make a difference? If you love somebody, you've made an amazing difference. How do you measure a seed placed in the hand of God sown in love? How do you measure it when a mustard seed turns into the greatest of? It's immeasurable. So we ought to be so moved to love by faith. In faith. I'm talking people that feel like they rejected you. And you keep on loving them. And you, and you go back to them and you see them a week later and say, Hey, man, just let's, letting you know I see you still. I'd love, I'd be so honored. Well, why would you be honored? You, you bugged me with this a week ago. Oh, I wasn't. I'm sorry you saw it as a bug. I care about people. I love you. Well, how can you love me? You don't even know me. Oh, I know you more than you think. There's a time to be born, sir, and here you are. You're the will of God. God saw you before you were ever seen. And Jesus hung on a cross and shed his blood for you. I don't mind you getting frustrated with me. I'll take the risk. If he hung on a cross, I can let you get frustrated for a little. But I'm just really hoping to pray for you because if he died for you, you must be valuable to God. Well, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, we're always thinking about hell and how nasty we are. wonder if God saw your, your life in a way that it was worth killing his son so you could live. Well, they ain't taught me that in church. They told me I was a sinner. Yeah, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but we're all entitled to it through the blood. We're all created to be his. Come on, man. Why don't you let me pray and stuff? Give me a hard time. I love you. Well... Okay. You see what I mean? Come on, you got to keep those doors wide open. But if you weigh that face value on the first, 
or even the second, you're going to miss that the third person that comes to them and you aren't even nowhere near, you're 30 miles away and the third person talks to them but because you aggressively talked to them and somebody else did, all of a sudden they're wondering what God's doing and now they're letting the person pray. They're third in line, you were first but you're all part of the process because you originally sowed. Come on, you just got to get a bigger vision of faith for loving people. And just because somebody looks hard, you know, we're, we, we get so shallow, we say, well, if my neighbor George ain't saved by now, he ain't never going to be saved. And we just cut off faith working through love. And we're the one that determine his salvation. We determine the parameters instead of the working of Holy Spirit. And you don't even know that George cried himself to sleep for a week because he feels lost and he doesn't know what to do. And you don't even know what's going on in people. But you're just looking at his anger and his frustration. Well, it's because he's struggling to find truth and he's not a people person. He doesn't feel like he can trust anybody because he's been hurt his whole life. But yet God is working in George. And you're over here assessing it face value. Trapped in human wisdom. Cutting off George and Holy Spirit's trying to graft him in. You follow me? Would you ever cut off or let go? Man, can you imagine if Jesus saw that way? When they're yelling for Barabbas after all he did good? You think when they're yelling for Barabbas, he would just say, that's it. I'm out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm going. (laughs) Come on. All the good he did. Everything crystal clear, 100% pure. And now those same people are screaming for Barabbas. You would think if he thought even an ounce like we do, well, these people will never change. They have every reason to change and they didn't change yet. They're not going to. Instead, he hung there on the cross, beaten and battered, taking the place for sinful humanity and became sin for us so we could be accepted in. And he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Why is that so hard to look at people that treat you rough and say in your heart, forgive them, they just don't know. If they knew the sincerity I approached them in, if they knew the good news I was trying to give them, if they understood the pure pleasure of your heart, they wouldn't be treating me this way. Father, forgive them, they just don't see and understand love. God, have mercy on them. You follow me? Okay, we're here at this, uh, we were talking about this, uh, and then I, we took a break, but this is important. It came up the other day, and I didn't go there, and, but I talked about it a little, and here I am talking about it again. It just feels right to go there. He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and never lose heart, never faint. Wow. And now he's sharing the principle. He's sharing a parable. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. So he didn't fear God and he didn't regard man. So he was the hot shot. He felt like he was God. So the judge didn't have any compassion for people and he didn't fear God. So it's a totally contrast parable. Okay? Because if the judge is God, certainly he knows who he is and he certainly regards man in the sense of that he loves man. Now watch. There was a widow in that city. What was that? It was a Holy Ghost flash. God must be in what I'm preaching now. What did she do? Take a picture. Was that you? I saw, I saw a flash. I thought, man, I'm preaching good. It's angels flashing, light flashing. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God or regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Now watch what he said in his heart. 
Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because she troubles me, I will avenge her, least by her continuing coming she would weary me. Remember, it's a contrast parable. You're not going to God to weary him to, to, to answer your prayer. It's a contrast parable. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now this, you can be in a situation for a year, two, three, and you could say, yeah, speedily, and you could misunderstand this thing. See, when you start drawing timelines, oh God, please. When you start drawing timelines, wonder if you're stretching out time because you're not established you're drawing timelines and you're letting the timeline determine and now you're just doing this and now a year is all automatically three four five years because of what we don't see it's very hard for me to say that I'm not trying I'm not putting that on you specifically I'm not saying that's what you're doing wonder if it's possible to let two weeks turn into two months and two months into two years because of what we fail to understand and then after two years, it's all the more stronger because it's two years and not two months. And then because of that, it's 12 years. And now at 12 years, we're done because, hey, 12 years, you don't know what I've been through. And that's your language the whole way through because of timelines. There's no way to find faith in that place. And I don't think we understand what's happening in that scenario. Look, God's good. He'll avenge his own elect who cry out to him. We're not drawing a timeline. Watch what he says. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. When the Son of Man comes, watch. Will he really find faith on the earth? Or will he find this? Yeah, don't tell me. I stood for a year and nothing happened. Well, yeah, don't tell me. I've been through this. Well, God said this and I still got sick. And then my whole family got sick. And we all prayed. And we all ended up having to go to the hospital. And we're letting all this stuff dictate what we believe in. All these natural circumstances control our heart and eventually our mouth. And when he returns, will he really find faith? Will he really find a lot of scenarios and stories and reasons for being in the positions we're in? Justifications for our circumstances, our flesh. Or will our hearts really trust and believe in him and honor him? When he comes, will we like throw down palm branches and pave the way? Or will we be like, where have you been? Are you following me? I know this is intense language, but it's just what I feel in my heart to say. Why would this be in here if we didn't run the possibility of not being in a good position? Nevertheless. So he talks about what God will do for his children. And then he says, nevertheless. I just gave you a promise. However, when I come, will I really find you believing it? Or will your circumstance be driving you? Will your mind be constrained by your go-through instead of mine? Are you following me? Come on. If he's talking to me this personal, I want to share it that personal. I want to receive it into my own heart and life and live it. And I want to encourage us to all do the same. And at the same time, know that we're being built up and growing to pray and believe and release the kingdom. 
But as we're in this process of growing, I don't know if you realize this. And I know Kimberly still had, do you still have something to, to ask? Okay, I felt like she would, should hold it because I felt like I wanted to do it corporately rather than personally on the break. So I asked her to hold. Go to Ephesians 4 real quick. I want you to see something that's very simple to me. This, I'm a pretty, you guys figured out I'm a pretty simple guy. Right? I mean, if Jesus says it, let's just go after it and grow in it and hold on to it until it becomes our reality. Satan comes to get it out of your hand, to take it from you, so you stop believing it. He doesn't want you established in truth. I want my faith, Ephesians 4. Tells us to walk worthy of the calling that we were called to. Verse 2, lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, love, endeavoring to, keep the, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, and just as we were called in one hope. That's amazing. Made that pretty narrow, didn't he? One hope of your calling. Look at this. One Lord, one faith. That means there's one finished work. There's one answer. Remember how I said the other day how we honor process so much and we're always trying to get people to, you know, understand process and Jesus doesn't even talk process. <laughs> one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. That's good news. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended, so here's the deal. We have... One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father. But yet we have a diversity of giftings, heartbeats, uh, a grace and anointing on your life. I've shared this before. And you, I'm just trying to give you an example so I don't confuse anyone. Some of you feel really called to youth. Some of you feel really called to missions. Some of you really feel called to the elderly. Some of you just feel called to go out and walk the street and love everybody you see. You just feel an extra attention in an area. Right? That's diversity. That's giftings and callings. That's little graces and things God's built in our hearts. Right? But in the midst of all that diversity, we have one hope of our calling. It's the image of God. It's walking in love. We have one faith, the finished work of Christ and who we are because of Him. That's the faith, who you are as a result of Him. That's what the faith is all about, holding on to what He gave. Righteousness, your whole armor is all about you and who you are because of him dying and raising from the dead. So, so we have this one faith and this one hope, but yet a great diversity of giftings and callings, true? And, and in that diversity, we don't lord it over one another. We don't make one more powerful than the other, one insignificant. We honor one another. We're actually going to consider others more highly than ourselves and prefer others, not just ourselves. Do you see the humility and love in it all? Now watch this. I want you to see something. I'm, making, I'm trying to get to a simple point. There's just a lot of stuff here. And the more I read, the more subject we are to not get through it. <laughs> when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Wow. Now this he ascended does not... Uh, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above. So he died, went into the grave, defeated the grave, and rose from the dead. True? So it's affirming he's the Christ. He died and rose again. That he might what? Fill all things. 
And he himself gave some to be what? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some say that the pastors and teachers is the same gift. Some say it's two separate ones. Doesn't matter to me. It's, it's just not something to fight over. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why did he give them to us? So that we recognize the anointing in their life, build a conference around them so they minister to us? No. But that's what we do all the time. <laughs> If, if, if a man would just begin to move in the gift of healing and the working of miracles, it, it would be countless crusades and meetings and everyone would fly in from all over the world and we think that would be great and we'd all have our need met and that would be great, but there's way more to it than just the meeting of a man's need. It's the changing of his perspective, his life, his submitting to God, his getting out of the world and into Christ so he can live from a, from a place of truth. Isn't that a deeper place? Yes. It's really good. The healing of the sick is intended to initially lead someone into that place. The healing of the sick is to touch them in a way so personal and touch their felt need to lead them into the goodness of God and into the transformation of life and perspective. But here's why he gave these gifts. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. True? That's why we get everybody involved. That's why we encourage you to pray for the sick. That's, man, I, I, I have been in services where I have taught and, and I'm, I'm seeing some powerful things happen through people that hardly ever prayed for the sick, but they're just stepping out believing they can now. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not seeing everybody I lay hands on healed. That troubles me. I, I, I'm seeking God on stuff. I want increase in my life. Troubles me not in a bad way when I say that. What it means is it has my attention. That none of us have arrived. There's too much out there happening that we need to see change. I tell people I haven't seen enough, but I've seen way too much to change my mind. But what good would it do for me to go to a church and preach and minister... Except for that the people's personal physical bodies could be healed, right? To line everybody up and minister to everybody and take my time and pray for everybody down the line because I'm anointed and I have gifting and, and I've seen miracles and I've seen healing. And now I pray for the whole church and who gets healed gets healed. We rejoice. There's good things. There's lives changed. There seems to, in some cases, I've been in four churches in the last year where 100% of the people, no matter what was wrong, were healed. Four times, and I got that on list because it's important to me. And some of them couldn't hear, and some vision stuff was restored. It wasn't just boo-boos and backaches. It was a lot of stuff. It was 100%. That's our birthright. Until that's our experience, we haven't arrived because that's Jesus's. Right? But it seems like there's people rejoicing. You have to go love on the people and build faith up where something hasn't happened. Because you got somebody still hurting and 10 people are crying and laughing and rejoicing because they're healed. And like in a Randy Clark conference, it's nothing wrong with what he does. I, I, I just found myself going around addressing it the first time I did it. I, I addressed it from the pulpit actually. Because it's neat what he does. It builds momentum. It's actually, it's cool. He says when you're healed in your little circle, as soon as they're healed, I want you to just begin to clap for about... 40, 50, 60 seconds, just clap and give God glory and we'll see what God's doing all over the room. So all of a sudden you're in a circle and your circle hasn't clapped yet. And you've heard 50 circles clap. And you know what starts happening in a circle that hasn't clapped yet? 
the Christians, what are we doing wrong? Why are we so far behind? I wonder if we need to get some of those clappers over here in our circle. And the person that's being prayed for is starting to feel and take it personal if they don't have a strong foundation and understanding. How come everybody's getting healed but me? And now it's just a self-reflection. It's all about me. And with the ministers, it's just all about them. And now it's a feeling of a pressure because everybody's clapping and moving. And we ain't got nothing yet. What's wrong with our little group? How'd I get in your group anyway? (laughs) Do you know what we're thinking? All kinds of stuff. Isn't that what happens in our minds? It it can, can it? You know what I find myself doing? Going around protecting that because I'm pastoral and just loving people because I'm very aware of what's happening in people. Saying, listen, right now you have the temptation to feel this and you'll be amazed how soon as you say that tears fill in the person's eyes. Because they're standing there feeling what's wrong with me. When you have a grid for feeling what's wrong with me, when are you ever going to receive God's love and really walk in faith? You won't because underlying is you're striving to achieve something. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. Something was. I was separated from God. Everything's been made right with me. Do you get it? Come on. This is in me. One of the reasons I come across the way I do and I'm real confident is because you can't talk me out of that. I am not working to do anything. It's already done. I'm his boy and he loves me. Do you get it? So in my deepest trials, in my most aggressive battles, that's already affirmed in me. You get it? And if I for a second question the heat of that battle, what's wrong with me? Then I'm really subverted because now I've just, I'm upside down in faith. You see what I'm saying? No, it's the proclamation of what's been made right. That's my battle point. Not introspecting what's wrong. You follow me? Now watch. For the equipping of the saints. So what I was saying is if I do that, thank God for the people that would be healed. But what message would I be sending? See, because I grew up in church that way. We'd bring ministers in, and they'd just pray to, for the whole congregation and minister to the whole group and get all the sick, and that one man would pray for everybody. So then we had certain people we'd bring in, hoping that certain people would get healed if that certain person would come in. Mm-hmm. I think it's Jesus who we're looking for. Yes. And I ministered that way for years. I would go to churches. I got invited to churches because of the way I'd minister. And uh, I was aggressive and I believed God was going to rock you and I believed you were going to be healed and, and it's all good. I still believe that stuff. But the Lord, six years ago, actually talked to me in prayer and said, you understand my gifting on your life, your anointing, but how are you using it to increase the body and multiply my heart in you? And I said, I'm not. Why not? And for six years, that's, that's the mission I've been on, personally. Because before six years ago, If I went to your church, I was praying for everybody. And prophetic stuff and words of knowledge and all that. And everybody would go, wow, he's this. Now I undercover it because of the weird effect it has. Because people attract to that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I see for you prophetically. And I don't even say that, says the Lord. I just pray in agreement with what I see. And the people feel like, wow, he just prayed out my life. He just prayed what I was thinking. Yeah, because I knew. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not going for thus says the Lord he's this and the Lord says now that you've been this and that whoa prophetic I camouflage it all the time 
because next thing you know, you'll have a whole line of people in front of you and they just want words and stuff. And, and I'll give them if God wants them, but we can get, and prophecy's important. And, and, and my buddy Bob Hazlett has a good, and he understands, and there's a place and a grace for him in that. But when you're going praying for all the sick and preaching, and now you got everybody running for you as if you're an answer, I believe we've misguided them. Jesus is the answer and he's in us. So if I can build up the Christ in us, who's the hope of glory, then the Christ that's flowing through you now is the manifestation of that glory. Now we've headed somewhere. You get what I'm saying? So now I go to churches and there's churches I go to on a weekend that we see some pretty awesome stuff. And it boils down to, I have really not prayed for anybody during a service. And I like that. It's actually fun. Why? Because the gifts are for the equipping. Till we all what? In verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith. You know why that's there? Because we're not. Come on, I told you I was going to be simple with you. We're not in the unity of faith. There's so many questions and discrepancies and things that go on in our minds. And some of us ask the same questions over and over again, even though they've been answered 50 times. Because we're not finding peace and rest in our belief system. So then the circumstance keeps driving us. If we would come to the unity of the faith... Wow. And the knowledge of the Son of God. So are we trying to find God through our circumstance or find God through the knowledge of the Son of God? See? It's through the knowledge of the Son of God. That's how we find truth. Do you see what that's saying? In other words, you're not trying to find the truth through your circumstance. You have to look to Jesus in everything you're in the middle of. So we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Watch. To a complete man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now that's our destiny right there, guys. That's why we do a school like this. That's why we even travel and teach. That's why I'm going to get on a plane Friday morning early and fly to Missouri. Because the pastor said what we hear in your heart and what we see on your videos is right where our church is. This will catapult us. Could you please come? I said, I'll come. So I'll go for this reason to Missouri this weekend. And I'm excited about that. I haven't even been putting things on my calendar. You know why? Because people intercept me in the parking lot, drive 12 hours with their loved one and intercept me in the parking lot to pray. Because they feel like they have to get to me because they watch videos. And they're hurt and they see encouragement. They say, if I can get to that man, I can be healed. And they call that faith and they feel like that's the aggression issue of blood story. And sometimes it's so many people that you can't even get to the host people that invited you to the place because everybody through the internet is getting in front of you and sharing why they're there that weekend and you have to spend time with us and if they don't get healed, I don't know what, and we knew you were coming and we know God will heal if you can just take time. And now you're going to a church as a guest and you got four people before you even get in the building sometimes already putting personal requests in that are from out of town because they saw you were coming. And I don't know what to do about that because I don't see that as healthy. Are you following me? It's just not healthy. So now I don't put my stuff on the calendar. (laughs) It looks like I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) But I got every weekend scheduled. (laughs) Why? Because that's a, that's, a, that's a personal thing. I'm going for the corporate whole to stir up in the unity of faith. I need released in this gifting, in this gifting, whatever I'm walking in, to equip the body. That's right. You follow me? 
so that we can grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of, well, why do we need to grow to that? Because we're not there. Who's walking like Jesus walked? Nobody, but can we? Is it ordained? Is it, is it, is it ordered? Is it in the Word that we can follow Him? Then that's our goal. So we shouldn't change our mind. Let's just keep growing there. Come on. If a plant's growing and it's doing well and all of a sudden it doesn't stay in the sun and doesn't receive the rain, it's going to wither. It's going to go backwards. Whoever saw a plant get out of its element and then you had to revive it. Sound familiar? Revival? Why do we always need revival? Because <laughs> we keep dying inside. I'm just saying. We shouldn't need revival all the time. <laughs> Come on. Should we? I'm not being mean. Why are we always praying for revival? Why doesn't somebody just get up and live? Yes. <laughs> Bring revival, Lord. No, get up and live. <laughs> okay, I'm not being mean. I hope, I hope you can hear me clear. It's just true. Look, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, yeah, but you know, brother. Well, but sometimes God. Well, you know that. Oh. And there's a trickery of men and cunning. That sometimes people are pushing their own testimonies, their own. You'd be amazed. Some of the strongest proponents of controversy and, and adamacy against some of this stuff is because they're carrying great loss. And they're protecting circumstances and testimony. And they've stood and prayed for somebody they dearly loved or somebody they honored and they didn't get the answer. So they're building a theology and a foundation off of that instead of Christ. And that's where the big mistake is. One of the most vehement pastors I ever experienced that told me I'm going straight to hell. I mean, he was in my face, red, and said, I'm a heretic and I will be judged in hell. That's right screaming at me. And it's because his mother died of cancer. And Pentecostals and Charismatics, which is what he labeled me. So he put me in a box. Told him that she either didn't have faith or had sin or she wouldn't have died. So because somebody told her that and represented Pentecostals and Charismatics. Now he's embittered and hard and hates anyone that says it's God's will to heal. And doesn't even know my heart. Because I looked at him and said, am I a Pentecostal, charismatic? Is that what I am? I don't even know I'm that. He said, friend, you've never been in my bedroom. You've never heard me pray. You don't even know my tears. It's because you think, I believe it's will God to heal. I'm one of them, one of those people that hurt you. I'm sorry you feel that way. And he said, but do you believe it's the will of God to heal everyone? I said, absolutely. Now I'm going to hell. Jesus did too, just for a little. <laughs> then he got raised, so I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> Does Jesus heal everybody? Yes. This thing should not be so difficult. The only reason it's difficult is because it's not our experience. We need to see that and grow up in Him in all things and no longer be tossed to and fro. But speak the truth in what? Right. Not the need to be right. Now that's your... You're the steward of that. I'm the one responsible for that. All that passion you see me express and all the way I talk and the things I say, who knows I will answer for every word before the Lord. Who knows that the why behind my heart will be before God on that day. 
who knows that I'm man of God enough to know that, I take accountability for that. And if any way I would be deceived and misappropriate something, I just know it wouldn't be intentional. But if I have a conviction or God says, you know, you're taking a little personal interest in that, you conveyed that a little strong because of this and that and that, who knows it's my responsibility to grip on my heart. You see? Because you speak the truth in what? Not the need to be right. Not because you're on a preaching power trip and you want the strong amen in the congregation. I've learned that, not degrading people, but I learned you could say anything that sounds spiritual in the right atmosphere and get a strong amen. Whether it has a strong substance to it or not. If it just sounds spiritual, it works. But who knows that teachers says go through a stricter judgment. And there's a whole lot of people. It says, don't let many of you be teachers. There's a whole lot of people that are trying to be teachers that want to be teachers. There's a whole lot of people writing a whole lot of things and getting a whole lot of stuff out there. You know what makes my conscience always clear? I never asked to do what I'm doing and never had a need to and never wanted to. <laughs> there's something healthy about that. I said no when they asked me to pastor. Three times I said no. When Pastor Don sat me down and said, you're a gift to the body. God's going to send you all around. He wants you to travel. I said, I already vowed I'd never travel. I, how's that going to happen? I ain't going to knock on the door to travel. He said, you won't have to. God will do it. I said, well, I was laughing like Sarah laughed. I mean, I knew what God was saying in Don, and I was kind of crying about some things he said. But as far as traveling, I said, well, I'll never invite myself anywhere, and I'll never uh, knock on a door. I'm not going to come up with a little flyer. Hi, God's called me into ministry. Let me at your church. It's never made sense to me. People need to know who you are. They're going to let you come in their church. Just because you're passing through town and you have a message. I, you know? And I've seen a lot of that stuff. And I was like, man, I would never do this. Well, I realized I'm not doing that. I've never asked myself to go anywhere. I've never invited, never knocked on the door, never made a phone call to preach. And got more places to go than time it allows. And told myself years ago, I would never travel and preach. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> what I enjoyed the most always was everyday pastoring. Just the personal, behind the scenes, pouring my life and my heart into people on a personal level. And isn't it amazing that that has never left? I do that more than I do anything. And that's where my heart really is. I could just get you alone and look in your eyes and encourage you and keep you in the race. There's something good about that. Oh, Miss Patty. <laughs> oh, I love you. I really do. Watch this. Speaking the truth in what? Love. That we may grow up into him in all things. Why? Because we're not there yet. Why are we teaching training? Because we're growing. Enjoy the growth. Enjoy the process. Don't get frustrated. Don't say, but when, or I'll never get there. Right. Stay in the sun. Stay in the rain. And grow. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'll just, I just wanted you to see that. Kim, Kimberly, you've been very patient back there with the microphone. But that's why we do what we do, because we're all growing. We haven't reached that place where we're like Jesus, even though positionally and spiritually we have everything, we're coming to the knowledge of truth. Who would agree? Yes. If we keep second-guessing, shifting gears, and intellectualizing, and getting so analytical with things, and thinking more than our heart is believing, 
we probably won't get established. Probably get confused. And we'll have a thousand contrary books on the bookshelf. And everybody's pushing their own circle. Why don't we just preach Jesus? It's pretty clear if you preach Jesus in his life, it's pretty clear the answers are pretty cut and dry. Um, in light of what you were saying about my question before, you touched a lot on the person praying. The situations that we're running into um, is that because of where we come from and our, our background of who our circles are in, the Lord is almost like sending us, like took us out of that circle of the, the religiousness that he brought us out of and giving us a heart to go back in and to share oh, the love of absolutely. Christ. But when we're praying for people who believe but don't believe, and it's mixed in with that whole like um, ticket to heaven, their salvation is very shallow sure. in a sense. Um, but our heart is to share with them, and they're getting angry when, okay, we pray for them, they, either they get healed and then it comes back, and it's like we don't want to not go back and pray for them, but we don't want to be continually making them upset. Like we're seeing this pattern of like, it's almost like a, um, a hardness getting, their hearts right. are getting harder. But see, that's what you expose. Like when, when I see somebody get angry about something, I expose that so quick. When I'm just with you alone, some of you have talked with me alone already, know what I'm talking about. If I see something that's not healthy and it's taking you down a road that's going to cause nothing good. If I see, man, where's the, where's the right to be so angry right now coming from? Listen, God doesn't owe you. He loves you. He's not your bus boy. So you were healed, and now this thing's coming back, and your response is to get angry. I think your response is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. It's the will of God. It's to fight and contend and not misunderstand what's happening here. So you bring them understanding. But I contest the attitude right away in the sense of chop it up. Give them no foundation to have that attitude. Like if, especially if I'm personal one-on-one -on -one, and I'm not in a crowd, I'm a straight shooter there. And I love you enough to do that. And it's amazing how it doesn't get bad or ugly. And I'll say, listen, why, but why are you mad? Well, because, but what's that say about your relationship with God? Come on, he loves you. You're in a warfare place. He healed you, so we know his will. This thing's coming back trying to poke you. It's hoping you get mad. It's hoping you turn on God. He's trying to prove like Job. Take away the blessing. He'll curse you to your face. He doesn't love you. He needs you. And, I, and that way, that religious spirit gets confronted and their heart can respond and go, oh my. You see what I mean? So I just pull the rug on that stuff and say, man, when do you ever give yourself permission to have that kind of attitude towards him or towards your life in him? Do you see what I mean? But those kind of folks that have that religious upbringing that believe but don't believe in the ticket to heaven stuff, they are, God is so wanting to lavish them with the demonstration of his kingdom. You will see folks like that get healed in a heartbeat. We were taught, and it was, uh, it's, it's wrong thinking. I was going to say it's the enemy, but it is the enemy. Any wrong thinking comes from him. But it was a strategy from hell to teach us that those people couldn't be healed because they're not speaking right and believing right. But you can speak right and believe right. You can give them what you believe you're to pray for the sick. So we have allowed them to determine what we believe. We've allowed what they don't see to influence what we do see. So then we pray not even sure if God can come because they're really not founded. Well, of course they're not. They don't have understanding. Right. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's simple. Forgiveness is here. Let's go get them, guys. 
You see what I mean? So you give those people the kingdom, but you'll find, like I have friends that are told not to leave their church, and they're my friends. They come here at times for special services and go to churches that don't even believe what we preach, and God won't let them leave. He says, I want you there. And they're finding the Lord healing in the foyers, healing after services, healing in their little Sunday school church rooms. And now it's creating something like questions and what's going on and but how, but God doesn't always. And now they're getting more of a voice. And there's several people in my life that God has forbid them to leave their churches. And he wants them to go back in and minister this truth because he loves them. Isn't that cool? He loves them. So if it comes back, just teach them how to handle that. Like, here's a lot of times we'll get, we'll feel like we're healed, right? And, and two weeks goes along and we're like, yahoo! And we're having fun and all of a sudden, into that third week, that same old familiar pain is tweaking. And we go like, oh no, is this thing coming back? Oh my God, I thought I was healed. You'd be amazed the course of people's minds because, I'm not being mean, it's almost always because of a lack of this. So we're just left to our own mind. And it's a detriment, man. Your mind without Christ is a big bummer. <laughs> Your mind with Christ is a blessing. But when it just starts going, man, well, why is this hurting? Well, I thought it was healed. Well, why would God take back a healing? Well, I wonder why this has happened. I wonder what door I opened. I wonder where. Rather than, Father, absolutely not. I thank you. Your love is amazing. And you healed me two weeks ago and healed I am. Nothing standing in the way of your love for me. You have to leave pain. I resist you. I'm not second guessing question. I am a child of God. And your love for me is sure, God. Pain, get out of my body now. I absolutely command you to leave. You are not ever coming back. You, know, you attack that thing without what's going on, why me. And you get aggressive and you stay aggressive. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You teach them that. Teach them that. Because they were healed. I had a guy in a healing services coming, and he got totally healed, didn't really know what he believed, and went to church, but didn't really, just kind of went out of habit, and he came and had very little understanding, and I used to hand out books, remember how I used to hand out books a lot, like how to hold fast your healing, stuff like that, because I didn't want people believing wrong if they ever felt something come onto their life. Well, he didn't read the books. He threw them in a drawer and was just, wow, Lord, you healed me. And he said he was out walking at the track a week later, and all those things started to come back. He said he got so mad. He got so angry. He's like, yeah, healed. And they said I was healed. I was never healed. That's probably my imagination. Blah, 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 blah. He's just mad. Well, he didn't come back for a couple weeks. And he got worse. And now he's worse. And he said he's laying on his bed and he's fuming. And he shared this testimony to healing service. So awesome. He came broken to healing service. I was like, God, thank you. He's laying on his bed and the Lord spoke to him and said, Tommy, when did you ever even seek me on this or even read any of those books you were given? All you did was complain. All you did was take it personal. And he said, that was God talking to me. He felt corrected and adjusted. He said, I never did. I did. I just got angry immediately. And it led me to more anger, more hardness, and three weeks of dry. So he opens up the drawer. He starts reading the book books, he begins to bawl and realize where his heart was and his attitude. He just repented and said, God, forgive me of this hard heart, complaining heart. Oh my gosh, that was so selfish. I just took it personal. He said, as he's praying, repenting, everything left his body. He comes back to church, repented. He stands up, preaches like a preacher with fire, man. He gets the Bible and he says, listen, 
He's reading out of this book and then we don't read it. He's teaching out of this book and we don't let it become who we are. If you have one of these at home, then read it and get it in you. And if you don't, get one. But it's the Word of God. And he's going on and I'm like, whoa, Tommy's preaching. <laughs> but it was out of his own go-through and learning experience in the Lord. So, uh, man, that's, that's all I know. Just keep encouraging, sowing into them, encouraging them in the fight. Uh, there is a lot of times that I don't know the exact answer of why, but I don't feel compelled to go there unless Holy Spirit takes me there. What I know is what Jesus gave me, and I want to build in that truth. If I rationalize, and I'm Bartimaeus on the curve, and I start rationalizing and tossing to and fro like we do, I bet he doesn't cry louder in the same heart. But because that's all he knew and all he believed, bam. You see what I mean? And there's other stories in the Bible. Okay, you guys good? Yes. We're done for the day. It's two minutes after. We got one week left. And all stuff. Why don't you stand up? Let's just bless this time together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We just stand in honor of you. We honor your word. We honor you as true and unchanging. And we just thank you for the grace in our lives and the way that you're working effectually in us to transform us. Father, keep us encouraged, keep us strong. Keep us valiant and as a warrior in all these areas of our life, Lord. And I thank you if Satan would come poking and, and, and prodding in any area. It's not about what he's doing. It's about what you've already done. Teach us not to get distracted and look at all that stuff. Teach us to grow in the stronghold of truth. God's love for us through Jesus Christ. Father, you, we thank you. You've given us the kingdom. We thank you that we win in you. We thank you, Lord. We don't love our own life unto death. Teach us what that really means. Thank you. We do not fear. In the midst of real trial, Lord, we stand firm, stand strong. We hold on to you and receive in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Bless you. Uh, I'm going to have, I won't have a lot of time to hang out with you guys today. I got a, Richard has a limited time. We've been uh, talking about hooking up, so I'm going to go to lunch with Richard today. So I need some grace to slip out of here pretty quick. Yes. Don't forget, pick up your table and walk.